0: Click, pay, and download instantly. Welcome
1: to the podcast.
2: It is the Riot Podcast, the Monday, August 30th edition. I'll try to include even the... Uh, the date. The date. <laughs> <laughs> There's no chance I can remember it most times. But well, I know
3: uh, some of you guys listen, you know, daily. You mm-hmm. try to hit the one for the day, or some of you will listen months later. Yeah. yeah. And you well, ask us about things, and we don't remember. Yeah, we sh-
2: <laughs> it actually is helpful. Uh, I mean, I know you can check the date of when it was posted, but maybe it is if you're listening through old podcast, Mm -hmm. it'll be helpful for us to include the date (laughs) so that you have some context of like, this is, remember... Like you could even go back historically, like oh yeah, I remember when that was a news story, Mm -hmm. and then you would know. But I think we're giving people a lot too much credit of uh, (laughs) how much they're listening and how much they care.
3: Well, anytime you have a question or you do want to comment, even if it's an older podcast, we do not mind at all. You're welcome to text eight seven seven to Radio U and just put that you're a podcast listener and your name and whatever question you have, or just to say hi.
2: Yeah. Now let's uh, speed this up because I (laughs) got chop uh, chop everybody. I got (laughs) a pot pie with my name on it. As soon as we're done with this.
3: been looking forward to a breakfast, and he comes in. He's like, "I'm just gonna make a pot pie." Yeah,
2: well, I, just, I don't know. It's Just one of those mornings. I don't know if I had an early, early dinner last night or something, but I've been starving. I haven't eaten anything. I don't have anything for breakfast and we don't really have anything breakfasty in the break room for me. That's calling my name.
3: Besides the cereal and the pop tarts. Yeah. yeah that's well, what I, I don't was don't thinking, have, I
2: was like, we have cereal and we have pop tarts out there. I don't have milk but for the cereal. But nothing breakfasty, no. no. I don't have milk for the cereal <laughs> and the pop tarts. I just, I'm not in for the pop tarts. I also saw we have uh, oatmeal cream pies. So well, oh, yeah. I've just had enough of those lately.
3: And remember, Michael has that box of breakfast sandwiches that he doesn't want. Oh, so I didn't he know told everybody, that. Yeah, it's the one he didn't with- didn't tell me. I think you think that
2: was intentional?
3: Well, I thought he said he told you, but <laughs> it's the ones with the spinach.
2: Oh, well, I wouldn't want that either. Okay,
3: because he likes the other box, and yeah. he said, don't eat that box. <laughs> and he said that a little bit strongly. <laughs> so if you eat the other ones, okay. but I'm too afraid to touch either of them nah. at this point. <laughs> yeah, you
2: might pick the wrong one. <laughs> might be the I, wrong. Anything with spinach, count me Is a no gal? No. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to take a chance. Well, you, but you enjoy your pot pie. We have... A, we have station pot pies <laughs> that have just been sitting in there they very well may be expired but I'm gonna give it a shot
3: I think you're fine after the
2: show. so <laughs> Isaiah,
3: what? what's in the podcast today yeah, so we,
2: we, we talked about how Bojangles is
4: really trying to make their employees happy uh-huh. but if you want to make money then it might not be so happy
2: yeah or if you want
3: to make Hudson happy yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> see I i viewed it over the weekend as uh like they're saying we're giving the employees a break and since they're not paying them I was like no, you're giving the employees a suspension. Yeah. What you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh So I don't know. There, I, I maybe I'm probably a little too hard on them because again, I think they're. Uh, I say it in when we actually talk about. it. I think their hearts in the right place at Bojangles. I just don't know that uh, giving the employees a forced day off. If they really, if the employees appreciate that as much as Bojangles thinks.
4: Well, listen and decide. Yeah. You
2: mm-hmm. hear the facts for yourself. See what you think.
4: We also talk about a truck tractor pull. So if you're into a good old <laughs> county fair, yeah. you're going to love this story. Man. <laughs>
3: if you like lawnmowers, get yeah. ready. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we do hit the, we have to have, uh, we have certain things of content we have to hit. Mm-hmm. And today we didn't hit hot dogs. So instead we had to hit lawnmowing. That's right. Yes. Yeah. It's in
4: there. <laughs>
2: We also talked
4: about how Pop-Tarts are in trouble, Uh not only because Hudson isn't feeling them because some other people are upset about their ingredients. Yeah, yeah. If this
3: lawsuit works out, then, you know, Pop-Tarts will just get more expensive. Oh, and
2: way with, more expensive. we'll all get a little tiny check if we want, <laughs> <laughs> like 25 cents for all the harm that Pop-Tarts has caused That's us by right. lying about their products. While
3: the lawyers and the firm get so much money. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: And uh, and also, you'll want to listen, because the, the lawsuit is interesting, but I think my my strategy for determining a Pop-Tart that's not...
5: That's
3: genius. <laughs> Nikki and I <laughs> each have
2: very different strategies uh, of how to determine what a Pop-Tart is when it's in the foil, but you don't have the box. Okay. and uh- I
3: didn't say it on air, but actually what I would sometimes do is I would open it up and our boss takes half of everything. Uh-huh. He's just notorious for it. So sometimes I would put like a half in two baggies so it looked like someone else opened it and just left half that there. That was
2: you oh doing that the boss? Oh my God, boss. Actually, Wait, where did you get the second baggie? <laughs> I
3: would just put another one in another baggie so it looked like he opened up the wrong ones all the time. Oh my God. Oh, isn't
2: that
3: horrible? So
2: I've, I've been blaming uh, our boss yeah. this whole time well, when he it was needs, really you. Someone
3: cute. needs to teach him not to to do yeah, that.
2: Right, right. <laughs> this is the way to learn. That's Man. right. I'm
3: teaching him a lesson. Hopefully he well, doesn't
2: listen to this. Oh,
3: I think I'm fine. No <laughs> one tell him, okay? <laughs> I'm just putting the blame on him. Well, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Enjoy. Hopefully everybody had a great weekend and mm-hmm. you're going to have a great week.
2: Yep. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. The Riot Podcast. Radio View. Adam Sandler has this huge deal with Netflix where he just makes movies for them constantly
3: I think it's it's an exclusive thing or something
2: yeah I don't know if it's uh and they make
3: money for Netflix yeah. everybody's like always wanting to dump on Adam Sandler but mm-hmm. his movies are always some of the most watched things for Netflix yeah so that's it, why they have it
2: it makes sense because it's a name you know and it's I think a lot of times the movies that you can just kind of flip on mindlessly that Light, even light-hearted.
3: Uh, <laughs> right, yeah
2: yeah you don't have to really invest a lot of attention in an Adam Sandler movie most of the time well in his new movie which is called Hustle uh it's a basketball movie yeah and Netflix because they are in charge of it like he can't, he wrote it and whatever but they forced him to make a change they wanted him to take out uh that a basketball star in the movie was from China yeah they didn't they didn't want him to have China included ah, in the movie.
3: It was supposed to be that he was going to find a player in China. Mm-hmm. Ah.
2: Yeah. Well, when you, And when you first hear, at least for us, I think, when you hear Netflix told Adam Sandler to take China out of his new movie, it makes it sound like... They're
3: mad at China yeah, or, or
2: something? <laughs> or know that they want to protect. Oh, they I want gotcha. to not insult China. Because when ev- literally every other movie studio, sure. they're like, nope. In, uh, unless it's China is good, you can't have it in the movie. And even in this movie, it's China is good. But the reason that they want to take it out is because Netflix doesn't exist in China.
3: Oh, so they they're don't not it? able to get it. <laughs> they want so to
2: promote they wanted it to promote, uh, I don't know where the, they told him Latin America or Europe, I think. So
3: he changed it? Yeah, so he
2: changed it so that the uh, basketball star, the up and comer or whatever that he finds is actually not from China. Uh, Due to Netflix's request.
3: Does it make you feel better for Netflix? Or, you know, because it's not like they're bowing down to the uh, don't make fun of China in any way.
2: Makes me feel better than my initial perception when I saw the headline,
3: like on the but, line from Adam Sandler to John Cena. Yeah, <laughs> where does this lie?
2: This is uh, <laughs> definitely better than John Cena. It may, it makes me wonder if there's freedom for Netflix to really make fun of China. Yeah. if they wanted to. Well,
3: if there's a chance they could ever get into China, would they take yeah, it? Yeah,
2: then they would totally. Or do they
3: not ever want to?
2: No, you know they want to. I'm so, sure. There's, yeah, there's so much so money. So even that. if if there was. A Uh, You initially think, well, maybe this means if there's a movie that would just totally lay into China or Mm -hmm. like, you know, a spy movie where China was the bad guys or something, uh, that Netflix would be the one that could take it. But then they probably still wouldn't because they want to be in China one day.
3: Not with Adam Sandler. No. Yeah. (laughs) It stops there. At least uh,
2: it. I guess at least, again, at least it's not what you thought it was. Hey, but still, of they're doing it to try to promote true. the Netflix in the other country. So it's all about money at the end of the day, either way.
3: So for Netflix, I did watch uh, the Bob Ross documentary oh, on Friday. Yeah. I watched 20 minutes, uh-huh. and then I fell asleep because uh-huh. it was so boring. It was boring. <laughs> Man, it was tough So to I watch. made the good choice of... Don't watch.
2: I When I... I logged into Netflix once over the weekend, and when I saw it... You were tempted? I reala- no, I just realized, you know, I don't actually care very much. About
3: Bob Ross yeah. or any of it. No,
2: I never watched Bob Ross. <laughs> it's really and hard. And I, I knew enough about the story after we talked about it on uh, whatever day it was last week. That I was like, that's not even that interesting. I don't well, really care.
3: Anybody watched it over the weekend, and you were like, but wait, when it gets to 32 minutes, it's amazing. Like, let us know <laughs> yeah. if I need to go back and start it. But no. it was just not any sort of topic that I cared about, so it was really hard to... As I showed you, because I fell asleep, (laughs) I couldn't stay awake during. There's enough
2: other things on Netflix for you to also not be interested in. You know what I mean? Like, you could flip on all kinds of other things to fall asleep to. You don't need to give Bob Ross another chance.
3: I could find all the old Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, there you go. But (laughs) something about the Bob Ross documentary that was just too much. It was too relaxing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was too happy, (laughs) too
1: controversial. It was bad enough the first time around, but now. It's worse. Don't believe us? Just keep listening. You'll find out soon enough. This is the Worst of the Riot Podcast.
2: So it wasn't a good week for this guy. And I want you to, the moral of the story is you shouldn't try to kidnap people. Why can't we learn? Because well, you,
3: you think we would have learned when we were little. Yeah. And I'm sure one day someone told us, oh, you're not supposed to do that when you get older. Yeah.
2: Well, some things you think don't even need to be said. Right. But maybe what I'm thinking is, you know, uh, punishment isn't always a deterrent, but I think maybe this punishment might might be a deterrent. So it was a guy in Tennessee. Uh, a woman was out walking her dog and she was on a dog trail, so kind of isolated. So this guy approaches her. Asking if she has any water or something Mm. like that, you know, trying to make her, let her guard down a little bit, and, and he gets close enough to her that he starts to grab her arm, start trying to, you know, kidnap her in some way, and she manages to escape by... Uh, shoving the dog poop from her dog in his face.
3: Oh, it's that guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. I wondered when I read this story or I heard about it. Uh huh. So does it mean? Is, so like, was the dog poop in the dog poop bag? Uh huh. Does that mean she had to like <laughs> open it up and then smear well, it? Or wh- where did this happen? Maybe and how this happened? It's t-
2: it's it's not exactly all spelled out. Was it on the ground? Still, <laughs> but I wonder if maybe. When you pick up your dog poop, right, maybe he just had really bad timing. Could be. Maybe she had just happened to stop to pick up the dog poop, and that's when he approached. So, you know, because when you pick it up, and it's kind of in your hand, but in the bag, and then the bag's So maybe she just, like, kind of quickly was able to get the bag inside out and smush it in his face.
3: This says that she was carrying a bag of her
2: dog's poop, which, Mm -hmm. you know, you just have to be quick with this stuff. Something tells me... This is more effective than pepper spray. Oh
3: yeah. Yeah. You gotta get closer, I feel like.
2: Yeah, that's true.
3: I would if I pepper sprayed someone, I feel like at least I didn't have to be like touching them. Yeah. And then you also have to probably touch the dog poop. <laughs> so there is that negative. Yeah. But for your safety, well, go th- ahead. There's
2: a good difference though between dog poop on your hand and dog poop in your face.
3: Right. And
2: that's that's of the difference maker. I Dude, I feel and... like open up. Shove it in his mouth, up his nose. Yeah. Oh, Say, be so uh, mad. Uh, I have. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so, kudos to her for the quick thinking, and unfortunately job. that she had to uh, go through with it with this, with this creep. But yeah. at least she uh, was able to make an escape. And apparently, uh, the, the good news is like they did catch him much later, uh, but. She he had come back after the dog poop incident and had found her shortly thereafter and started chasing her again. Oh
3: my god. So this guy What's was this determined. Guy's problem?
2: Um I don't know. I, I was disappointed too when you see his mugshot, no dog poop involved.
3: Well they probably cleaned him up. Yeah. yeah. So he's been charged with aggravated robbery, aggravated kidnapping.
2: Somebody uh recognized him at a gas station and that's how they caught him. Oh, when they were looking for him? Yeah. So I <laughs> maybe what he's known they? around the area.
1: Or at room temperature, now that they can do the riot radio. You
2: well, if you're headed to Bojangles for breakfast this morning, stop.
3: So, Bojangles is a fast food place. Yes, mostly I think in the South.
2: Yep, I think only in the South.
3: <laughs> the Bo only jangles <laughs> in
2: the below Southern the Mason <laughs> Dixon line. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and. <laughs> And so they actually, they're, they're a chicken place, uh-huh. but they are known kind of, I think, for their breakfast because I did go to Bojangles for the first time ever when I was in Gatlinburg and their biscuit was what was exciting. The chicken yeah. was just fine, but the biscuit was like, oh, this is a good biscuit. So is
3: it like a Popeye's, like just only chicken? Or... Yeah, only okay. chicken. Only chicken.
2: Um, and so they do fried chicken and then they have like chicken sandwich. You can get a chicken sandwich, which I think is new, but then for breakfast... They have like cinnamon biscuits, blueberry biscuits, and then you can also get your chicken biscuits for breakfast. That's great. Good for them. I want to try the the breakfast chicken biscuit, but they are closed today, Mm -hmm. and they are also going to be closed two weeks from today. All of the Bojangles, at least all of the uh, company-owned locations, for franchise locations it's a little different, but uh, for the company-owned locations, they are closing today, closing uh, two weeks from today. Two days only. They say it's to give their employees a well-deserved break.
3: So you get a day off?
2: You get a day off.
3: Are you getting a paid day off? No. Okay, so it's just, well, I mean, is that as exciting?
2: No. In (laughs) fact, you could argue it's actually an inconvenience.
3: forcing them to not take a day of pay.
2: (laughs) I'll be honest with you. Uh, I saw this on Saturday, and I got, like, actually a little upset. Oh, you did? I did. I was like, that's not... That's not how you do it. listen. (laughs) It's one thing if – because, of course, all kinds of uh, restaurants and not even restaurants, just all kinds of companies, we have a labor shortage right now, right? It's hard for them to get people to work. Well, that's fine. And so if the reason you're closing is because maybe your employees are getting a little burned out or whatever, you know, like – It's one thing if you do need to close the stores, but don't make it seem like you're doing the employees a big favor. Sure. It's not really a favor if you're not paying them to not come to work.
3: Well, I get what they're saying with this. So Mm -hmm. if you think of it this way, they say that because they have such a labor shortage, Mm -hmm. employees that they do have have had to work a lot of overtime. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to cut back and give them a break from their overtime hours. Yeah, that's nice. So that's a little better. If they were cutting into just their hours, Mm -hmm. that's bad. But instead, they are going to have the closure today and then on September 13th so that they're not asking employees to do any overtime.
2: Yeah, well, it's good that uh, you don't want to have to force people to work overtime, but what Mm -hmm. they're also saying is they're not paying people. (laughs) And so if I, it just really bothers me. If employees would like to make up the hours later in the week, uh, they're sure. welcome to. And that—that's the probably the phrase that really gets me. It's like, which if, we're giving you a day off, but we still—if you want to work more, <laughs> you can. You could, we can could still do that for you.
3: Well, I normally see the other ones where they're closed for like training and stuff. Yeah. Or they—what did Subway do? Were they like, let's put the new menu up, and you know, they—they they close or they clean or they right. uh, make sure everybody's on the same page. Of what we do and do not do, Mm -hmm. Um, that, and so you would get paid for that day because you were still a part of like training. Yeah, this isn't the same.
2: Yeah, not the same. Uh, You know, it's it in a way. It's I mean, it's definitely good, and I believe for sure that for Bojangles, their heart is in the right. The heart of Bojangles is in in the right right place. place, (laughs) But the maybe just the messaging of it of we're giving all all the employees a day off, we're not paying them for it. (laughs) We're forcing them to take a day off <laughs> does feel a little, it just feels a little off.
3: Anybody ever work at Bojangles? Do you get free biscuits? Do you get free food? Is it a discounted situation? <laughs> Is that situation? worth Is that worth it? Oh, man, I'd, you could pay us in biscuits. Yeah. We'd be fine. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and, you know, uh, we'll take a day off. I just don't want to have to work Saturday to get the day off.
3: (laughs) But we still want more biscuits. Yeah.
2: Biscuits (laughs) and a day off. We'll take it.
3: That sounds perfect.
2: This is a good negotiation we just had.
3: Uh, I don't know if that was actually good on our end, (laughs) but we'll take it.
2: If you're looking for
1: hot takes on the day's most important news stories, uh, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to The Riot on Radio U.
2: If you're missing a large chunk of frozen chicken wings, mm-hmm. you—it's uh, at the baggage claim.
3: Oh, I'm like, how are we missing it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Did I not eat it with dinner? It seems
2: that (laughs) it was, uh, that the tag must've fallen off. So that's why they're wondering who this big chunk of chicken came from.
3: And is in a baggage, like on the baggage claim. Yeah. The carousel.
2: Did you see, have you seen the video? I've not. Uh, the TSA posted it. It looks like it was in, is it it actually in Seattle at the airport there? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, uh, it is the TSA, the Seattle airport. They, it's a picture, uh, video from the baggage claim, the carousel, mm-hmm. and in all, in between all the suitcases, is just a giant. It's a block of chicken wings. You know, when you have a thing of chicken wings in the freezer, and uh, you take it out, and they're all frozen together, and that's this in a in a very. Actually, perfect square. They <laughs> say that
3: at one time they were in a cooler, and then sometime when they got between the baggage claim and the carousel, uh-huh. oh, they said they became free range. <laughs> Dude, you need to be wiping down the carousel yeah, after that. Yeah, that is
2: uh, salmonella risk, isn't it?
3: I think so. Yeah,
2: so they uh, I don't know if they wound up, because this was over the weekend, I don't know if they wound up finding who the chicken belonged to.
3: Well, you can't take it at that
2: point. Well, you wouldn't want to eat it, would no, you? No,
3: but I mean, chicken wings are expensive. They maybe are. if you wash it off, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of the bad stuff cooks out,
2: so they, you're fine. Do you know what sucks though? What is? I mean, it is among all of those other suitcases. You get you pick up your suitcase from mm-hmm. the claim, and you're like, why is this? Why is this kind of like? What's vaguely wet and smelled <laughs> like chicken? <laughs> What's going on here? What are they doing
3: in the bag? Yeah, and
2: uh, and it turns out you didn't realize, but your baggage, your bag, was sharing a baggage claim with the chicken wings. Yeah,
3: I follow. I think it's what's the network that does like Hoarders and a few other. And that's think? it. Is that I follow the one? that on YouTube, uh-huh. and they'll always send out like these old airport shows from TSA or yeah. like international TSA's, uh-huh. and they're always like hey, uh, you have to declare if you bring in, because if you go to from country to country you have to not bring in food items. Oh, right. Because there's a lot of things that they don't want, you know, fruit and stuff. Yeah,
2: like mad cow disease. And they're
3: always like showcasing like, you know, there's the ones where they're like, here, this is made out of drugs. And they're trying to sneak <laughs> in and the others are like, do you have any food to declare? And they're like, no, no, no. And then they go and they're like, you have a whole chicken thing, you know? Or why do you have all this food in yeah. this? And you're like, why would you bring all this stuff in, a, in an air plane like would it be okay to yeah. travel with all this meat and they're like oh you mean we we weren't supposed to
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess sometimes you don't know but then again why are you bringing it and trying to like almost smuggle it in a way pretty much uh, with this you do wonder why was somebody flying with a, just a big chunk of chicken wings?
3: Again, it's expensive. So maybe yeah. in one state chicken wings are not as bad. <laughs> yeah, they got a
2: deal. And they got a at deal. At Costco.
3: They knew a guy. Yep. They put it in the cooler and they tried to fly to Seattle.
2: I wonder if uh Seattle, like that's a that would be an international airport. Maybe it's coming in from somewhere else. Who knows. And maybe the uh yeah, maybe they're smuggling it in because it's a lot cheaper in India or something Gosh, to get love, the chicken into the country.
3: I love chicken wings, but uh-huh. when you look at uncooked chicken, it is gross. It
2: does make you question. It doesn't does
3: it? makes you wonder why do I love it once it's cooked? Yeah, and slathered in sauce. <laughs> what what about that changes?
2: Yeah, once uh, <laughs> once Bojangles gets their hands on it, it's just something changes.
3: Once it's crispy and fried, yep. I'll do anything for it. It Doesn't
2: matter if, what what baggage claim it took a turn on. It'll just well, wash it. It'll off. taste fine. <laughs> Two is better than one.
1: Unless we're talking about The Riot. The
2: Riot, Radio U. Last night was a big boxing match that I missed out on.
3: <laughs> when did you miss out? Because you thought, oh, Isaiah will watch it.
2: <laughs> uh, in a way, I knew he was on vacation and I didn't even know because he had gone to Gatlinburg and I didn't even know if he was for sure going to be in today.
3: I watched, but yeah. still,
2: I was like, eh, it's too late for me. And I still haven't watched one of these Jake Paul fights. So, or does the other one fight still too, Logan? Yeah, they, they both, both fight. fight. So, uh, so who whoa. was the
3: one who did the last one? The last one was
2: last one was Logan. Logan Paul. Was it? Okay, so yeah. now this is this the is other Jake. one. Yeah, okay. they need to do something more to differentiate each other from themselves.
3: <laughs> you mean the different first name is not enough? That's not yeah.
2: enough. No, they look the same to me. <laughs> they and act the They same. do all the same things. It seems. <laughs> well, so. I get you there. Um. So last night was Jake Paul against. Now tell me, Isaiah, if you know. Uh, Tyron, is it Tyron or Tyrone Woodley?
4: I don't know if it's Tyron or Tyrone.
2: And do you know who that is? I do know who it is, though. You do?
4: Yeah. He's an M- he used to be an MMA fighter. He okay. fought for like 12 years. Was he good? He was really good. Oh, um, don't but say he
5: was. He, he was really good, <laughs> but now
4: he's a lot older now. He hasn't yeah. done it in a while. Oh, okay. And he's not a boxer either. So it's okay. just completely different. Yeah, because I was
2: seeing uh, so the spoiler alert is Jake Paul won. Yeah. He won by a split decision. And I saw the reaction on Twitter is like, whoa, this is so impressive. He's, he's 4-0. He beat Tyron Woodley, and apparently that's impressive. And I just, I've never heard of Tyron Woodley or Tyrone, however you say it. So I don't even know if it is impressive or if we're still just doing this thing where people want to seem cool by <laughs> making these Jake Paul fights seem like a real thing.
3: Well, the uh, Tyrone or Tyron uh, was a former UFC welterweight champion.
2: Hmm. I've never, I've. Maybe I've heard the name before, but the only context I have is this fight. Well,
3: it seems like if you're one of the uh, Paul brothers, yeah. you find an older fighter, uh-huh. maybe yes. not necessarily in the boxing world, uh-huh. but who is still athletic. I mean, yeah. they're way better than probably any of us would ever be. Yeah. And then they fight them as long as they're a certain age difference. I just.
2: <laughs> why don't we just cut to the chase? Why don't they just fight each other?
4: Oh, the brothers?
3: Yeah. It's I'm
4: only sure. a matter of time. It yeah. is, right? They have but to. But neither, at some point. I
2: think, I feel that. In all of these fights, and the Floyd Mayweather one was the one that really blew the lid off of the conspiracy, is that they're not, and boxing has this issue, or at least it's part of the perception of boxing is that it's not real fights that are really cooked up to find a real winner, it's all about protecting the record, so they're not actually finding fights that are going to be real challenges where they have a real chance of losing, Sure, it's either they have somebody that they know they're going to beat. Or somebody that they have an agreement with of like, hey, uh, I'm going to win this one, right? Wink, wink. Or at Mm -hmm. least with Floyd Mayweather where it could be a tie. And uh, so it's all about neither of them losing in a way. They would never take a fight that they have a real chance of losing. And so if they fight each other, one of them has to lose. (laughs) So that would kind of uh, throw everything... it would. Uh, I mean, it would, they'd make a lot of money doing sure. it, yeah. They'd all, make a ton of money. Yeah.
4: And, like, for the fight last night, too, like, Jake Paul, this is another thing that's been happening. They aren't fighting boxers, and then they also are fighting people that are much smaller than them. Okay. Because Jake is six foot one, 190 pounds, where Woodley was five foot nine, 170 pounds.
5: <laughs> oh, and even come just on. the height difference yeah. in
4: boxing, like, the reach yeah, of, of like how much longer his arms are than yeah. Woodley's is, like, insane.
3: He's yeah. my height. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Doesn't Aww. mean I can box. No. <laughs> no, we, yeah, we'd be but at a disadvantage against anybody. Yeah. So.
3: <laughs> I don't know. It's hard because, I mean, they're athletic. You you at least got to give them that or they're trying. Yeah, you, yeah. You, there I, is.
2: There's a lot of training that goes into it for sure. It's not like they're out there faking it.
3: I know. But before all the YouTubers got into boxing, I used to think wrestling uh, like all that used to be the fake stuff yeah. of you know just put together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did not realize boxing had so much orchestrated yeah. <laughs> yeah. before. So you just never know when it's real or not.
2: Yeah, and you just used to. I guess you could say the good thing about this is it's getting people and some people interested in boxing. Maybe especially people that wouldn't normally. Mm-hmm. So for boxing, it's a win because let's be is honest. It? What are the well? What are the odds <laughs> that we'd be talking about boxing on the show? Pre Paul brothers, sure, it would have to be the like a super massive like Mayweather Pacquiao fight, yep. and I don't even know who the names would be now where we would get talking about it. So at least we're talking about boxing on the show, and uh, people are paying per view to view the boxing matches with the Paul brothers. So I guess that's something, but it doesn't mean that I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't mean I like it. <laughs> so, yeah, it just doesn't feel real. It doesn't, it doesn't, mean doesn't mean feel. I like it. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a real sport. Like the other ones we like to no, watch. Not at all.
3: So I guess we'll see whatever uh, fight they come up with next. Yeah. And we probably won't like that Next either. If no. they fight
2: somebody I've heard of, I'm all in. That's a big yeah. step forward, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? That's a
1: big step You might be thinking that this won't be quite as bad the second time around. Well, you'd be greatly mistaken. We're listening to the worst of the riot podcast.
2: You ever been to a uh, tractor pull, Nikki?
3: Um, a tractor pole. Is that where the two cars race each other? Like the really loud ones. Yeah.
2: And usually they have to pull, like there's actually weight behind them they have to pull to, to see if they're, how strong their engine is.
3: Is that the same as like the two cars and then the big parachute pops out uh, of the back? That's a that drag different? race. That's a dra- yeah. Again,
2: that's drag racing. I don't know if I've been Except, then. <laughs> to the <other>. Well, <laughs> oftentimes, but well, this is a lot more country because uh, this is, <laughs> it's like trucks or tractors that are going to be pulling the big metal sled. And then oftentimes those will be alongside, like at the same event, you'll also see uh, demolition derbies. Pig and races. Then, yep, sure. <laughs> and truck drag races.
3: Oh, I don't think I've seen that. So
2: we have here, it's called, uh, the, the place is called... Laura's truck and tractor poles, nice in Walnutport, Pennsylvania,
3: and they had one.
2: <laughs> they had one over the weekend, but what happened surprised the crowd, I would say, and it is now surprising us online because so not not only did they have the tractor poles, but they also had the truck drag races. Except they had this one guy roll up to the truck drag races in a little lawnmower.
3: It's a lawnmower, but the other car is a truck. Yeah. <gasps> And the lawnmower. And the pizza? lawnmower
2: absolutely Yes, <laughs> <Spashes just, him. laughs> yeah, boat racism.
3: Well, is that because he's lighter? Like then, that's what I'm wondering. It goes faster than I the mean, truck.
2: Obviously, the engines are modified a bit, and especially for the lawnmower. Apparently, it's an 1100 cc Suzuki engine, I don't which do not that
3: means, but it yeah, seems but fast. it's not typical
2: for a lawnmower. I think we both can agree on that in our limited lawnmower knowledge. Sure. Nikki's a little li- more limited, limited than I. <laughs>
3: I'll take your word for it. It does. Although feel she like- does want.
2: Watch lawn mowing YouTube, so I do.
3: I just want to feel like I'm a part of things. It is not the
2: engine modification section of lawnmower YouTube.
3: It feels like it's very uh, souped up. Yeah,
2: it definitely is. Uh, doesn't it go on to two wheels, or did
3: I think <laughs> a he, lot of times that happens? Well, yeah, it lifts up in the front. Yeah, so yeah, it's just the back wheels. Wow, what a long, but what a can you imagine doing your actual yard in that thing? <laughs> You'd it get done so quick, it wouldn't take any time at no, all. No, <laughs>
2: but it probably wouldn't cut the grass very effectively either.
3: Probably not, it probably burns it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't and taking curves, I don't think. Like, this is just a straight line.
3: I also like, I'm just more of, like, the bigger picture thing. I uh-huh. look, and you can see maybe five people watching. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's very busy. Yeah. But maybe they're yeah. higher up
2: in the stands. That's all the people that are in Walnutport, Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's what you didn't realize. Racing. Man, this looks so fun, though. I, I want to go back to... Uh, to get out into the country to get with my people and to go <laughs> see a tractor pull and some well, lawnmower drag races.
3: You have a lawnmower. I think this is now your new thing.
2: Yeah, th- well, I have a push mower, so
3: I can see you still getting out there. This
2: would be a whole different. That would be a whole different race, wouldn't it? It just
3: pulls you so. <laughs> they fast. do make
2: self-propelled lawnmowers, so I used to have one. Mine now is not, but. Man, that'd be something. Your your feet are flapping in the yeah, air. As you... And,
3: you know, we all are looking for like a project. Yeah. You know, just something that takes some time. Uh-huh. So we're not just watching shows all the time. Uh-huh. This could be your thing.
2: This is... I, I, I want to see this guy's YouTube channel. <laughs> to how see how that. he got this. To, I, the truth is I don't. Because I don't know anything about cars or engines or anything. So I wouldn't get anything out of it. But uh, I would totally... Uh, I would like to see more videos of him racing.
3: I can find some.
2: And hang out with the people <laughs> at that race, because I bet you they're a fun crowd. So
3: that's Laura's Truck and Tractor pole.
2: In Walnutport, Walnut Pennsylvania. Walnutport, Pennsylvania. We've got
3: a lot of Radio U listeners in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. So let us know where that is. See if you can... And, uh, they host uh, truck drag races, junk car races, demolition derbies. That's what
2: I love, the demolition derbies. And this one, sure. a
3: lawnmower beat out in a drag race against a truck.
2: Let's see. Walnutport, Pennsylvania. It's it's really in the middle of nowhere there in the mountains. So. <laughs>
1: Everything you love about the riot plus a handy dandy fast forward option. This is the worst of the riot
2: podcast. Pop Tarts. They have less strawberry in them than you think.
3: Well, (laughs) according
2: to this woman, anyways.
3: Less strawberry? You mean in the strawberry flavor? Yeah. Well, who's doing the research on yeah.
2: that? <laughs> who really thought there was any? <laughs> who
3: who cares enough? <laughs> yeah. Who was eating the strawberry ones?
2: I don't know. I mean, we always have the boxes of the strawberry, and somehow, eventually, they go away.
3: We don't have the box of strawberries. We have the box of the strawberry and the brown sugar ones, oh. but they don't put the name on which ones, Yes. so it's just like a big gamble as to which packet do you pick?
2: you ever do the Pop-Tart? Uh, I I consider it like Pop Tart Braille. <laughs> oh, to figure out which where you feel trying to feel. The texture of, you've never done that? No, I just,
3: I have opened it up and then what I've done is if I pick the wrong one, I put it in a baggie so it looks like someone just had half a one or something and I'll go open another one. I'll try it. How
2: many do you open though? I only (laughs) give it one more chance. See, you got to do the Pop-Tart Braille. And
3: figure it out. It's
2: not foolproof for sure, (laughs) especially because what we have now in the break room is for some reason there's Pop-Tarts that they're not strawberry. They are some kind of berry. We don't know. They feel the same on the top through Mm -hmm. the package, and they taste fine. I eat them, but uh, I don't know what they are. I can't identify them. So, like, it's not foolproof because... Some Pop-Tarts feel the same on the top. Oh. But you can tell the difference between the brown sugar and the strawberry.
3: I just wish we had like a cookies and cream or yeah. some sort Ooh, of... the fudge one, the uh, chocolate Something fudge. besides the generic, here's the the, the party pack and it's yeah. only two parties. Yeah. The strawberry and the brown sugar There's one. There's a good
2: party and a bad party. <laughs>
3: so someone was mad about the strawberry one?
2: Yeah. So this woman, her name is Anita Harris. She's from Illinois. and She has filed a lawsuit against Kellogg's, the maker of Pop-Tarts, because she says they are misleading consumers regarding the ingredients in the strawberry pop tarts. Mm-hmm. She says that the advertising, the packaging, uh, the promotional content leads consumers to believe that there's more fresh strawberry than there actually is. Well, fresh is a strong yeah. word.
3: I don't know if fresh we thought that
2: <laughs> strawberry. So what is it? Uh, well, she says, let's see in the class in the class action lawsuit, which would apply to anybody that has ever purchased pop tarts mm-hmm. for uh home use not for resale uh so that could apply to us here at radio u she says uh the alleging what Her claim is that, um, let's see, the benefits from strawberries cannot be provided by strawberry flavor, Uh, which which refers to compounds extracted from strawberries used solely for taste without uh, their nutritional value. So they're marketing
3: strawberries like, hey, you're getting nutritional stuff from these fresh strawberries, mm -hmm. when really we only eat strawberry flavoring, which has nothing nutritional-wise in it.
2: But the truth is, I guess, what she's getting at is... There's technically strawberries used Mm -hmm. to make Pop Tarts, but they're not taking the nutritional part of strawberries. They're just getting, extracting the flavor out of them Uh, without extracting any of the nutrients. And that's her issue.
3: We weren't thinking there was fresh. Yeah. We also didn't think there was any nutritional value at all. Yeah.
2: (laughs) But uh, what is the thing that always comes up with like the, uh, I see it. When they're talking about, like, the voting machines and the fraud and whatever. Yeah. And so, and so, when, like, some of the, the people that are getting th- sued by the voting machines, they're like, well, no reasonable person could have actually believed this, right? That's the argument Pop-Tarts could use. No reasonable Beasle. person <laughs> would really think that there were strawberries in these, right? Well, no they, reasonable person.
3: They cover, too, it feels like whoever the lawyers are for the Kellogg's lawsuit against them and strawberries yeah. and Pop-Tarts. It feels like you could just literally lift the word strawberry and Pop-Tart and put in tuna and Subway. Uh (laughs) And it's it's a copy and paste lawsuit.
2: Maybe it's the same lawyers. It
3: could be. They have
2: experience. I feel
3: like it feels like the same law firm that's involved in both of those.
2: Yeah, well, either way, uh, strawberry, they're certainly not going to be our favorite, but... uh... Even if they don't have any strawberries involved at all, it's not uh, not going to stop us.
3: Might not be our favorite flavor, but it's still a Pop-Tart, and that's still yep. fine. And
2: once you open the package, you got to do something with it. Once you realize it's not brown sugar cinnamon. No,
3: you go around the building and say, hey, does anybody want a Pop-Tart?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I opened up the wrong one. The worst podcast with the
1: best listeners. This is the worst of the riot podcast.
2: Welcome back, Isaiah. After a quick trip to Tennessee,
3: I, I feel like everybody else is going to like the beach and stuff. And yeah. Why is everybody in this room going to Tennessee?
2: We're country bumpkins. That's yeah. where what we is, fit in.
3: What is everybody going to do for spring break?
2: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
3: where are we going we're
2: going to kentucky baby yeah <laughs> <laughs> the ozarks maybe I know,
3: you're going there so last weekend hudson went on vacation and then you went for something this past weekend to the same place but you said you didn't see any bears when you were there no
4: like there wasn't i didn't see any animals uh-huh. at all at all Not a we, single were in, animal. we were in a cabin on like a mount and i literally didn't see anything wow no wildlife whatsoever and we were at the cabin for the majority of the time we were there, we had like cornhole and pool and stuff yeah. that we were playing, just kind of hanging out. No bears, and no bears. And we talked about it multiple times because yeah. it said like there was the signs, you know, like the bear crossing and whatnot. Uh-huh. But like, if we run into a bear, you know, like what's the game plan? Yeah. You got to have one <laughs> of those talks. Um, But we didn't see anything. I almost sent
3: you on Friday, I saw a TikTok of a guy, I think he was around that area, and he was getting into his car, and he was just, his body, like his head was in the car just rummaging around, and this little bear comes up behind him and starts licking his leg, no! the guy's like, shoe bear, shoe bear, I thought, oh my gosh, what's that?
4: What is that? Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's me. I was licked by the bear. (laughs) Yeah,
2: you're like,
3: bring one home. So,
2: (laughs) did you let your friends know that you went with, that they could have just... Uh, played pool and cornhole and not seen bears here. Yeah, like, I know. You didn't have to go all the way to Gatlinburg you know, to do that. And,
4: and it, was, it was it was a bachelor party, so it was like a real like fun thing that we were trying to do. Yeah. But really, we could have done the exact same thing like without the trip without driving very yeah. far. You know.
2: Well, so what did you actually wind up doing besides cornhole and pool? Did you go to Dollywood?
4: What we we literally didn't. We did. We went out to eat at a Mexican restaurant there. And that was just okay. We Uh went to like, we tried to go to like a super nice like steak restaurant. Yeah. But the wait was like two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. And so we waited for like an hour. And then we were like, we because no one could decide to do anything, like anything whatsoever. We waited there for like an hour. And then all of a sudden we were like, you know what? Let's just go somewhere else. So then we wasted an hour there and then uh-huh. we went and then we're like, let's just go to this like little Mexican restaurant that like was was good. Uh-huh. But there was just like not a lot of plan. So we spent a lot of time at the cabin Aww. just kinda hanging out. Which was super fun
2: though. See, that's the difference. I mean, obviously you had a different crowd, but for me when I go on vacation. I am I overplan a little bit. Yeah. So that's how I squeeze so much stuff into my trip to Gatlinburg. But you then ate so
3: much more. There was only two yeah. of
2: us, and uh you know, maybe a little more cohesive yeah. than a bunch of uh I mean,
3: Isaiah should have been like the one annoying friend in the group You're like, but did I tell you that Hudson tried this? Yeah. Let's go here. Hudson did this. We haven't Hudson even seen
2: the
4: aquarium yet, guys.
3: <laughs> did you go on the ski lifts? Yeah. Like did you do
4: any of that? No, we, we talked about that talked about taking up like up to the bridge, like yeah. the sky lift or whatever. Yeah. We didn't do it uh-huh. um, because whenever we would leave You're not somewhere get any
2: instagram followers no this trip. no
4: whenever we would leave like one thing it would take us like a half an hour to discuss what we were going to do next and there was like 11 of us So like half the group was like let's play laser tag and then the other half was like how about putt putt and then let's do the sky. Again, uh, all things you yeah. can also do here <laughs> exactly and so then they were like how about we did the skylift and then we end up just picking one and just kind of going with it yeah. but it was so, it was so much fun though yeah it, it sounds okay. like it yeah, great. <laughs> it was
2: great, okay?
3: Dude, you didn't eat at any of the places we wanted no. you to no. eat at and you didn't did, see any bears. It's a
4: wash.
2: So the I Mexican know. place, that was that the most noteworthy like restaurant you no. ate at? Nothing good?
4: No, that was the only I think that was the only restaurant. No. We ate at that, we ate at the Mexican restaurant, and then we ate at a seafood restaurant. Oh, okay.
2: seafood? Oh, yeah, because you know Gatlinburg's no seafood. That's what The Bachelor wanted. Did you at least get, like, catfish or something? Or? I
4: got fish and chips is what I got. But he uh, he was like, let's do seafood. I was like, this seems kind of like kind of, it was for lunch. I was like, that's kind of a heavy lunch. We're walking around, like, all day. <laughs> yeah. It's super hot out. So after we left there, we were all just sweating like crazy. That's all hilarious. Well, next... You go to
2: Gatlinburg and you get Mexican? And seafood. <laughs>
4: seafood? Yeah. And you don't do any of this that kind of sums up. Up the indecisiveness of yeah. the entire trip.
2: Uh, the lack of plan. I,
3: I want to point out the next vacation Hudson is designing and
2: going I'm through because open to plan. you
3: are planning it. I'm gonna get
2: yeah. a second job as a triple A agent <laughs> and I will help you out.
1: Why pay for so many streaming services that you don't really care about? When you can not really care about the riot for free. Radio U.
2: Murder hornets are still, we're still talking about them. Yeah. And do you think that there's any actual. Like, we just keep, they keep popping up in the news. This is now the second year in a row we've been dealing with murder hornets, and they just every so often come up. And I feel like we shouldn't. We shouldn't even acknowledge them anymore. Well,
3: it depends. It's always in Washington. Yeah. So if you're not in Washington, like, I don't know if there are murder hornets anywhere else. Yeah. Is it an actual thing? But if you're in the Washington area, it seems like they are still a yeah. a possible problem.
2: Well, I guess what I'm wondering is, if you are in Washington and you're, and so you could be in a murder hornet area, is that something that really concerns a you? worry for everybody? Or do you even care? Because I just feel more and more that it's only because of the name that they're interesting (laughs) they're not even that dangerous right they don't kill people normally
3: Uh, well but no but they murder other bees yeah so they murder other insects and we still have a bee problem I
2: know I know we need that but that okay yeah we need bees around and that's a concern but who will save the bees? But what—that's—that's that's not normally what we pay attention to in the news. <laughs> sure. is, is bee issues we now, don't I, normally worry about.
3: I that. feel like though, in the last couple of years, we've had so much other news stories mm-hmm. that they're just really wanting anything besides all that other stuff. Yeah. So when it came to cicadas, they were like all over that. Yep. And then murder hornets are like it fills that insect void of the news story world. Mm-hmm. So they can just bring this back up yeah. every season.
2: It, it gives them something to write about. And so what happened here, the reason it's currently in the news is because 1500 murder hornets Whoa. have been murdered.
3: Oh, no, they killed them?
2: Yeah, they're they've been turned on themselves, their their own namesake has <laughs> turned on themselves.
3: They're also known as Asian giant hornets. Yeah, which uh, I think is more are.
2: accurate. But And then if we saw that, I guess that's still kind of frightening imagining a giant hornet, but our idea of giant and uh, whatever the kind of person is that studies bugs' yeah. idea of giant is a little different. Oh, they're to, all bad. Yeah, but uh, th- apparently in Washington state, they took out a big colony of the murder hornets, uh, a a whole nest that contained fifteen hundred hornets in various stages of development, mm. and so they're I guess they're proud of themselves for that. Oh well,
3: they wa- oh my gosh! If why are the guys dressed like that? Wait, you, if you scroll down,
2: <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Did you not see the sensor? <laughs> no, I had. What yeah. Is that? That it,
3: looks. It's like um, bee suits, but it's it's like neoprene. Yeah, it's like scuba sort of. The look one to it. guy. And it looks like a fish tank on their head. Yeah. Does then- anybody
2: remember in Monsters Inc. Yeah, the like SWAT team thing that comes in whenever there's a human interaction. It looks like those suits. It's and just a different color.
3: What is it? The is it the nomadic tubes? The, like if you go yeah to the, the bank, pneumatic pneumatic yeah if pneumatic you go, if you go through the bank and you go through the drive through and it has the tube that yeah. sucks up. Uh huh. It's it looks like one of those and the murder hornets are inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. That
2: is comic man. You just swap that out. You don't have a a context for what this picture is and that you could believe that it's from a Avatar movie or something. Uh, something sci-fi. Or or yeah, that it's actually humans on another planet or something, man. That is uh that's really That is an interesting suit, for sure. So
3: again, if you're in the uh, northern Washington area, Murder Hornet, it won't likely kill you ever. Mm -mm. They say that if it stings you, it's really, really bad. Yeah, But otherwise, they just kill other bugs, and that's the problem. They kill
2: bees. Yeah, so, uh, all right. Is this going to be it, the last time we talk about Murder Hornets?
3: Until next season.
2: No, let's just drop it.
3: Why? What if you need... You're like, boy, Nikki, there's no other news out yeah,
2: there. Yeah, to be truthful, that's why we're talking about it now. You're like, there's not I a guess, lot going on. I
3: guess I'll talk about the murder hornets. Yeah,
2: we have to break <laughs> up the food talk at some point.
3: At this point, let's not think about us talking about murder hornets. Mm-hmm. Let's think of it as us talking about the uniform yep, they we're wearing to right. kill the murder hornets. The
2: murder hornets are just a bonus.
3: That's
1: right. That's enough of that. For more Riot content head to riot.radiou.com.
0: Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com.
6: Hey there, I'm Phil Kyo. I'm Shane And welcome to Casual Game Crossovers, where we discuss all things tangential to video games. And today we are looking at Witcher, the Netflix series, Season 1, Episode 2, Four Marks. Here we go. So here we are, episode 2. Episode 1, we got to meet Geralt, we got to find out what a witcher was, we got to learn the origins of the Butcher of Blaviken, and we got introduced to Sintra, Ciri, and all of that Nilfgaardian goodness. Now episode 2, we're very much going to focus in on the other main characters, specifically Yennefer. This is where we meet Yennefer, who is hailing from Vengeberg of Aedirn, and this is something that i had you know either forgotten or just you know not known but we get introduced to yennefer in her hunchback form and she's very much portrayed as a kind of a oh you're disgusting get away from me type of um character people in her village especially her parents are not too jazzed about yennefer's appearance
7: no no they're not at all I didn't know this about Yennefer. My only interaction with Yennefer was from the games, and at that stage she was already a fully fleshed out character and I didn't know any of her backstory. Yes, anyone that
6: comes from the games will be pretty confused, I think, at this introduction to Yennefer.
7: Yeah, I think so as well. Like this was this was a shock to me. I didn't I I like the minute I heard the name Yennefer I was like that's not right.
6: yeah Yeah, for sure for sure specifically Yennefer is uh, being played by the actor Anya Shalotra Shalotra, however you pronounce that Anya if you are listening I do apologize but played very well by this character but we get introduced to uh, Anya's portrayal of Yennefer and it is the hunchback origin of Yennefer so a lot of people will be alienated at first going wow this is this is so different What what's going on here but yes in fact that is the canonical start of Yennefer's story um, again she is here in Wengerberg in a small village uh, or even smaller than a village whatever you'd call this little hamlet that they're in where she is the daughter of a pig farmer now in and amongst the sheds we do see a young couple You know, having a fleeting moment of romance where Yennefer gets caught spying on them, and in her embarrassment and in her shock, she kind of loses control of herself a little bit and teleports. When she teleports, she ends up in a place that she's never been before, and she is greeted by a young man by the name of Istred, and Istred is not, I guess, shocked. By the fact that this girl has just teleported into the room he, he clearly has background in wizardry or sorcery he, he he knows what he's looking at however he does caution Yennefer that you are now on her in quotation marks radar and she will be coming for you
7: yep that's exactly what happens and then as if like clockwork uh, she comes to the little pig farm and her being Tissaia Devries. Who is a sorceress supreme? Um, She comes to the farm, rocks up, you know, walks over to Yennefer's father and asks, How much for a pig? To which she's quoted, 10 marks. She then looks at Yennefer and asks, How much for her? And her father pauses for a second and goes, Four marks. Mm. This tells you. All you need to know about, number one, Yennefer's origins, and number one, Yennefer's value in the eyes of her father, because she is deformed and a hunchback.
6: Yes, and this very much paints the picture. Do you know what? Similar to episode one with Geralt, where you kind of see everything you need to see about him in the first minute, like... You get that with Yennefer here, too, because all of Yennefer's ambitions and drive and goals come from this first minute where she is a hunchback. She is seen as being grotesque, even though that is probably a very harsh word because her skin is immaculate. Her teeth are perfect and her eyes are beautiful. (laughs) You know, she's they, they take the usual TV show liberties here. But, you know, she has been grown in such a harsh environment where she is constantly been looked at as lesser and been cast aside because of her deformities. This is something that really lives in the core of Yennefer's character and we see it all portrayed here.
7: Yes, exactly. That's exactly what happens here. Um, And it does, it sets you, it sets up her story arc and her motivations for everything she does going forward. Correct.
6: Now, as you said, she is ...sold to to say de Vries... ...a uh, sorceress supreme of sorts... ...and she does take Yennefer away... ...and we learn that she's been taken away for training... ...over at Aratuza... ...which is a kind of a training ground... ...for magic, for sorcerers... ...for that type of a thing... ...she's going to be there amongst... ...other girls in a kind of a... ...a very violent... ...Hogwarts type situation... ...where she's going to learn to be a wizard Harry... ...but... You know, in, in in a far less whimsical way. Um, first note is, as we said in the last episode, the set dressing is fantastic. Um, the actual... Ex- now, when I say that, the interiors are pretty good. You know, pretty good to great. I'd say, like, they, they fluctuate a little bit, especially in these places that have caves and stuff like that, or, like, stone walls. Sometimes they can look a little bit set-y. Um, but the exteriors, like when you get that sweeping shot of Aratusa, and it's just like big monolithic building on the cliffside with a big, you know, bridge going out to it and stuff. That looked pretty sweet.
7: Yeah, all of the CG exteriors where you're getting those aerial shots of cities and palaces and Aratusa and stuff—they are all awesome because mm, they and, can be yeah. built from the ground up in a render engine. They can be, you know, every little detail, and they can be made to look epic like as much respect as i have for the set dressers and the work they did there's only so much you could do with real props to a point yes and then it starts looking like you know like you said sometimes a cave can look a little bit like some crunched up paper painted with some gray paint or whatever (laughs) yeah sure paper mache that's that's the word i was trying to think of um but yeah as as in terms of the cg sets and stuff like epic absolutely epic
6: yes for sure now we get a couple of scenes where she is being shown the ropes of sorcery uh, amongst the other girls uh, to varying levels of success but we do see that istred is actually here at artusa and this is where yennefer forms her relationship with istred um at this point a friendly relationship but you can see that there is room to grow here for this um, bond between the two now we also learn here that Jennifer lets Estrid know of her lineage she is in fact quarter elf and the elves are very important in terms of the lore of the Witcher because the elves were a very prominent race it seems we learn more in later episodes They're not quite as prevalent anymore. There's very few left. However, they introduced man to magic, to sorcery, to what have you. They shared these secrets to which as it's very true to life, you know, man learns of a certain kind of power man covets power man destroys all around it to hold on to power that's kind of what happened here and the elves were pretty much wiped off of existence <laughs> apart from a few the second that they shared this power with us
7: yeah it's where we get the kind of tropey fantasy you have the men the elves the dwarves the the mythical creatures think lord of the rings think you know any and lots of other fantasy book stories games you know dragon age games all this stuff it's, it's their fantasy tropey stuff. There is no fantasy out there anymore that doesn't have an elf and a dwarf and a human and a, usually the human is the one that's corrupt and or corruptible and, you know, all that jazz. Yes,
6: exactly. Now, when we learn this, this explains Yennefer's natural ability for sorcery, for magic because she comes from the race, the elder race, essentially. And this also explains her deformity. It is known that should an elf lay with a human and they have spawn a child deformities are kind of normal so this this explains everything about Yennefer's backstory essentially
7: yes and it also kind of I suppose partially explains her father's disdain for her as well because elves are not well liked in the witcher not anymore no. Um. so that's kind of like if she was born with a deformity then her father probably straight away recognized that there is elf blood in her and that she's you know A lesser or second class citizen, as it were. Yes, for sure. For sure. Now,
6: we, as I mentioned earlier, we see a couple of trials happen where, you know, we learn something very interesting about magic in this world, where straight away, Tasea is teaching her coven of potential sorceresses how magic works in this realm by saying, you know, I want you to levitate this object. One goes to do it, and immediately she is successful, but her her hand starts decaying away in front of her. And we learn the cause and effect duality of magic here in this Witcher world, because Tissaia quickly corrects her, after watching her go through tremendous pain, and picks up a flower which will wilt as she levitates an object, because you have to give something to get something with all magic in this world which is a pretty cool dichotomy to play with when you're giving these characters a tremendous amount of power to have that kind of like you know that black and white that um well yes you're powerful but you're going to sacrifice something every time you do anything is a very good way of going about this i think
7: yes yeah it makes it so that magical is not all powerful Mm-hmm. because if magical was all powerful then it kind of makes the world a little boring because it could just be like Geralt comes up against a wizard oh the wizard absolutely obliterates him with lightning bolts from the sky or whatever you know job done game over yes and like, that's, that's yeah that's right. it adds to that sorry you're alright it adds to that it adds to that whole thing that like there has to be consequences if there's no consequences to magic it's too powerful the world becomes too boring and people lose interest in your stories because everything is just going to be oh the wizard's going to win every time
6: Correct, yeah, yeah, because what these guys can do is pretty pretty powerful, and it's, it's pretty OP, so to have this balance works. Now, speaking of firing lightning bolts, there is a trial also where they have to catch lightning in a bottle. One of these girls is tremendously ill-equipped to do this and gets fried. One does it, it gets the lightning... Directed down into the, the room in which they're standing. She's holding a bottle up. It goes bang into the bottle. Fills the bottle with lightning. It's bouncing around. She's amazed that she's done this before. Boom! The bottle explodes in her face. And Yennefer gets a stab at it as well. But she's also struck by lightning and flowing across the room. Now, one of the fellow students is successful. And this is where we kind of see Tissia is pushing Yennefer a little bit. She kind of berates Yennefer for her lack of ability and, you know, just is completely insensitive to the fact that she just got, like, zapped by a lightning bolt and has now been flung against a stone wall. (laughs) And Yennefer, in response, loses her shit altogether and absolutely Emperor Palpatines the crap out of Tessia by channeling the lightning that had been sucked into her body rather than the bottle and channels that back at the saya, uh, to which she deflects it, but now she knows that her suspicion is correct about Yennefer, where yes, she is incredibly powerful, but she is driven almost entirely by her emotions.
7: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So um Evil Hogwarts, as we like to call it, um, kind of teaches the students of magic that, like, you need to be in control all the time. You need to be calm and collected and concentrate. And this is how you master magic. But yes. Yennefer is the exact opposite. And what we see in that, that is being led by her emotions, actually makes her extremely powerful. But it also makes her a little um, wild cardy when it comes to using magic. Yes yes exactly the
6: last thing we learn about Yennefer here is that her relationship with Estred is blossoming more and more eventually leading to a very romantic type of relationship but what we find out here is that unbeknownst to either of them they are both being used as information gatherers by their respective masters again without each of them knowing essentially um Tesea is gathering information from Yennefer about Istred and Stregobor's um, wants and dealings or whatever because Stregobor is Istred's master. And similarly, Stregobor is gathering information from Istred on Yennefer and on Tesea's intent or whatever. So they have been kind of pushed together in order for nefarious dealings to happen, I guess. And that's going to result in some drama later down the road.
7: Yes, definitely, definitely. It's a whole... They thought they were kind of having a blossoming friendship, but they were also kind of being puppeteered by yes. each other's respective teachers or masters, whatever word you want to use. And, yeah, it's going to lead to an argument when things come to light eventually. Mm-hmm,
6: mm-hmm. And oh boy, does it. Now, the last thing we see
7: here with Jennifer is that
6: to say uh, she takes the... The young ladies who have failed the trials, of which it is most, there is only, I believe, three of the young girls who passed the trials, Yennifer and two more. Now, the remainder, the other three girls, are brought down into this underground room where there is simply like one pedestal of ground upon which you can stand, and that is surrounded then by water. To say it brings the three girls into this pedestal... And turns them into eels, of all things. Yennefer is looking on from the background. She's seeing it all happen. To say it, then scoops up the eels, throws them into the water. And these eels suddenly light up. And this, apparently, this these people who are capable of magic, she turns them into eels, puts them into the water. And then that seems to power this building where all of this is happening. This is quite literally powering Aratusa with the eel power of the, uh, the failed young woman.
7: Yeah, so to say it kind of leads these young women to believe they're going to ascend which is basically, you know, it's your graduation, it's getting your diploma at the end of wizard school. Yes. Um, and then she turns them into eels and puts them in the water with the kind of kind of explaining that like yes, a lot of people can do magic in this world but not everyone is top tier. And sometimes you just got to use like the people who are not as top tier to kind of fuel the more powerful mages and wizards to ascend them to a higher level of magedom, as it were. <laughs> Magery. <laughs> Magery.
6: <laughs> but yeah, not for sure, for sure. And it, it's a very doggy dog world out there in, in the land of the mages um but yeah that's that's our introduction to Yennefer um I think we're going to take a break and remind you about our socials before we jump into the rest but Shane do you think this is um do you think this is a strong or weak way to have introduced this main character
7: I think it's a good I think like the actual introduction of the kind of the hunchback and the fact that her father sells her for less money than a pig is an excellent way to set up all her motivations going forward yeah I agree yeah, it's so like she's completely set up now. We know that everything she does in the back of her mind is going to be I was always thought of as less than a pig, I will show them. I will prove them wrong. Yes, yes, exactly. She has
6: major issues, I guess, with her self worth, and that's gonna drive an awful lot moving forward. Um I think yeah, I think it was strong. I think the introduction to Jennifer, as you say there, was very good in the way that we do need to know about her issues i guess to really understand her character later on and i liked the wizardry stuff at Eratusa. i i liked getting to know the causality of magic and i liked there's bits and pieces that i guess it's not as strong an opening as the first episode because naturally it's not. You know, Geralt isn't there and there's no Strigas and there's no, you know, Blaviken or whatever. But given that it was a more controlled narrative with Yennefer, I think it was pretty successful.
7: Yeah, and it introduces us to the rules of magic in this world as well. In in the first episode, any magic we seen was just, we were just told it's magic. But in this one, we're told, no, no, magic is a very particular set of rules that needs to be followed.
6: Yes, that is very true. Okay, let's take a very quick break, tell people about our socials and our other shows and what have you, and then we're going to get right back into it where we're going to talk about any of the scenes that we had Gerald and Siri in the mix, and there's some pretty great stuff in there too. Let's go play that thing.
0: When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit dispatchhealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to dispatchhealth.com.
6: Hey, thanks for making this so far into the podcast. If you're enjoying it, please do make sure and like, share and subscribe. Leave a little review. All those types of things really, really help us out. If you want to keep up with all things CGC, you can do so in a number of ways. You can check out casual game content over on YouTube at Casual Game Co on all of our socials. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. The Casual Game community over on Facebook. Our Discord, which there will be a link to in the description below. And of course, be sure to search for us on your podcatchers of choice. Our current shows are the Casual Game Cast, which is a weekly video game podcast, and Casual Game Crossovers, where we take a look at tangential video game properties. So that's a really fun one. Do give us a like and a share. Really appreciate it. Now, back to the show. So we are back, and now we're going to talk about the parts of the episode that have been spliced in throughout but we're going to gather them all here at the tail end to talk about which is Geralt's interactions and series interactions let's start off with Geralt so it's 1240 we have essentially gone ahead like seven years or so from the last time we saw Geralt and he has he's just been living as a witcher you know he's, his life has not been I'm sure it has been very eventful but in terms of the story that we're following here he has just been going ahead living his life we find him doing his witcher thing sitting in the corner of an inn brooding but we also are introduced to probably my favourite character outside of Geralt this is Jaskier, uh if you're familiar with the games aka Dandelion
7: yeah Dandelion A.K. Yasker, whatever you want to call him, we're going to call him Yasker because that's what he's called in the show. Yes, is a bard, and anyone who knows fantasy knows that a bard is a guy with a mandolin or a lute or a guitar or some musical instrument who sings tall tales of warriors brave and monsters from the darkness and etc. etc. In exchange for some coin yes indeed
6: and he is in this specific inn that Geralt finds himself in he is singing his songs doing his thing and nobody is giving him even as much as a response yet alone any praise now he is finding that people are not vibing with him but he notices Geralt in the corner who has almost as if Y- Yaskir wasn't in the room. He's just staring ahead, not even acknowledging his existence. And this is enough for Yaskir to go, "Ooh, I need to talk to this guy. I my attention." seeking this will not allow me to not have that guy address me so i have to go over and immediately get up in his grill and start talking to him and that's the kind of relationship that you're going to see again and again and again between Yaskir and uh gerald gerald's want to just get on with things and Yaskir constantly constantly getting up in his face like a small jack russell yipping at him you know um but we see this and Yaskir asks for Geralt's feedback, to which Geralt just kind of steps up and leaves. He's just like, "I don't even want to talk to you, dude." But it's at that point that Yaskir lets us know, "I know who you are. I can see by you. I can see the, the swords you carry. I can see, you know, the hair, the armor, the whole shebang. You are clearly the butcher of Blaviken." Showing that seven years later, that moniker is still carrying, and you know it's been going throughout the land. And Yaskir sees an opportunity in this. His songs have not been doing well because they've been boring. People don't want to hear them. However, a Witcher. Now, this is somebody who's going to have stories. If I follow a Witcher around, which again are rare, and they run into crazy situations for a living, I am going to be pretty hot in terms of the bard world, uh, with, you know, the stories that I can spin and what have you. So, the Askier takes it upon himself to become Geralt's traveling companion at the behest of Geralt.
7: Yes, he does indeed. This also um, lets the people of the tavern kind of in on who Geralt is. Mm -hmm. Nobody kind of knew he was a witcher until Jaskier brought it up, which leads Geralt to getting a job, which we'll get to shortly. But in terms of the Yasker geralt relationship, this is where we get the comedy or you know the 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 kind of he lightens up the episodes or lightens up the show yasker is the comedic relief as it were he is the like all these crazy situations Geralt gets into yasker is the like the point of view of someone who is not a witcher to a witcher getting attacked by three dragons in a forest or whatever is like a, a tuesday you know but yes. to to Yaskir, it's a completely insane situation, life-threatening, and when we see that through his eyes, it's kind of more comical, and it also shows us that yes, actually, like what Witchers do is really absurd. Completely,
6: completely. Um and it is important for him to be in here because Yes, there is some levity here and there. Um I think the only other person who has really had any levity is probably the queen of sintra has a few moments um we didn't talk about him last episode but mausak the kind of the house wizard of sintra he has moments too but for the most part everyone is quite dour um, it's a, it's a harsh world this world of the witcher and yaskier completely flies in the face of that like his character is just i am a bard i'm bouncy i'm bubbly Everyone loves me, everyone hates him, but everyone loves me, you know. It's a, it's a great character, you know, it's it's definitely needed a contrast against everybody else.
7: Yes, for sure, for sure. It is great, and you do you do need it. Like I said, if if The Witcher was sorry, not like I said, like you said, if The Witcher was as dour as it kind of tonally is for most of the show, um I think you would have lost a lot of the non-fantasy loving audience.
6: Yes, you know, exactly. You
7: need you need someone to lighten it up or you need someone to point out the absurdity of some situations.
6: Yes. Now, he's not quite as complex, but to me, Yaskier is kind of like the Tyrion Lannister of The Witcher. You know, like, he's the guy... Now, Tyrion was obviously a lot more, I guess, shrewd. And, you know, he came up with plans and he drank and he knew things. But, like, at the same time, he was very much the guy that got the laugh in between the serious stuff, you know. And I think Yaskir fills that role in a more comedic sense very beautifully. Like I, I, I love Yaskir in this. I do.
7: Yeah, he's great, and he is essentially like he becomes Geralt's marketing manager. You know, he's like he's <laughs> like I, I can market you. I can make some money for myself in the process, but I can market you, and I can, I can sing tales and get people to forget about that Butcher of Blaviken moniker that you have received for the last decade.
6: Yeah, that's essentially the role he is filling. He, he's the hype man for, yes. for Geralt, in the sense that they're getting this kind of, whether Geralt likes it or not, they're getting a kind of a symbiotic relationship going here. Yes. Now, specifically, he's going to write a song that is going to be known throughout the land, and if you stay tuned to the end of the episode, you're going to hear it too, but In order for that song to be written, obviously, Yasky has to spend some time with Geralt, and one of their very first adventures is where the song becomes birthed from, I guess. Uh, As Shaney mentioned earlier, he mentions that he's a witcher to Geralt very loudly in the inn, which strikes one of the inn residents to come up, and address Geralt to say hey you know we're actually having a monster problem recently we don't know what it is but grain is being taken from us at quite an alarming rate can you please sort it out and off they go you know they go to find well Geralt goes off to find who is the cause of this grain theft and the you asker, whether Geralt likes it or not is coming along for the ride we get to the grain fields where we find out pretty quickly who it was it was a beast but not the one that the people in the village had thought it was it is a beast by the moniker of a sylvan which seems to be kind of like a, like a Mr. Tidmus character it's like a goat man you know yes. it's it, it's a very strange looking thing but his name is Tork and he attacks Geralt and Yaskir, but in the midst of this Geralt has him pinned and he speaks to Geralt which triggers Geralt's code which you know is something that he is very adamant about when he sees that the monster can speak this means that the monster is sentient and that's something that Geralt has no want to harm essentially for him monsters aren't sentient they're just vicious they're they're out there to kill out of anger and rage these are the ones that need to be put down if one is sentient and is simply going about its day I have no qualm with you you know you can leave however once he says this and explains this he is knocked out and then we find Yaskir and Geralt tied up in a cave being grilled by two or three elves
7: yep yeah. yep yeah. Um, so it turns out that this Sylvan named Tork yes he was stealing the grain but not for himself it wasn't mm-hmm. he wasn't doing it out of I'm a monster and I'm stealing grain because I'm a monster he was doing it to help these elves who are in um, exile, basically. Um, Specifically, one is uh, caused by the name of Philavandrel, who is, like, king of the elves. You know, he is the The current begrudging king. Yes, and he is the current ruler of the elves, and he is a character who would be hunted, basically, for being who he is, because, as we spoke about before, elves are not very much liked in this world, and, um... Filavandrel being king of the elves means that he is going to be really like you know if someone caught Filavandrel and like took his head to whoever they're going to be like you know made an essential millionaire in this world they're going to be given oodles of money and like land and everything because he's a wanted man they captured king of the elves yeah yeah for sure and he is only in this
6: position because many kings before him have been brutally executed for that exact reason. Uh, however, we find here, as you said, that Torque has been stealing in order to keep these guys alive uh, because they have fleed up into the mountains in hiding. Now, when they capture Geralt and Yaskir, they do so with the intent to kill them. They don't want them getting back into town and letting people know that bounty will then be known and they won't live very long themselves. So, Yaskir protests an awful lot of course and gets bait for it he gets he gets a good few slaps for it and Geralt kind of accepts his fate you know he he kind of says look if this is what you need to do then do it however he does say to him for your own sake this is paraphrasing of course but for your own sake you just need to either leave or you need to learn how to live in this situation I, like you, I'm not human. He does not consider himself human because witchers go through mutations and they are kind of something different. But as he says to Philavandrel, I've learned to live amongst the humans. You know, yes, it's not ideal. I, too, you know, am subject to ire. You know, people throw stuff at me in the streets. Like, I'm not a liked dude. However, for my own preservation i've learned how to survive in this world and i i ask that you learn to do this for yourself even if you must kill me and it's in that moment where philavandrel sees that there is some truth clearly in what the witcher is saying and he frees essentially Geralt and yaskir at this point at the behest of the other elves who did really want to get their blood that day
7: (laughs) yeah yeah true so yeah and this again gives us a little bit of the human side of Geralt again like mm-hmm. we get snippets of it every now and then and this is one of the moments where it's like by not uh, by f- when he found out that the Sylvan was sentient he immediately backed off because yes. sentient creatures are not his wheelhouse he only kills wild kind of ferocious beast monsters and then again even though these elves have him captured and tied up and they were threatening to kill him he's like look Guys, I'm, I am I understand your plight. Like, you know, like it's, it's, yeah, it's horrible out there, but like, you know, you can be angry as you want about it, but it's not going to change. All you can do is adjust and just try and move on. And even though you like knocked me out and tied me up, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to leave because you're no consequence to me.
6: Yes, exactly. And I think, as you said, this shows Geralt's emotion where even in the face of death, he was happy to take it. But he still wanted to impart some knowledge that he felt might make these creatures' life a bit easier, even after they've killed him. Yes, that's you precisely know? it. Yeah, yeah. A good a good heart is hard to find, as the song says. Now, this is kind of where we leave Geralt and Yaskier, but not before we hear Yaskier plucking away at a, at a new song that he has written from this experience specifically named toss a coin to your witcher probably the most earwormy song i've heard in a show in a very long time that that was like meme worthy when that came out when that when people saw the witcher for the first time It was all over Twitter, it was all over social media, it was all over everything, you know, like, I remember searching for Toss A Coin To Your Witcher on Spotify and finding like 40 covers of it, but not the actual song, which was really frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, that always Uh, happens, doesn't it? It does, it does. But it is there now, and if you stay tuned to the end of the show, we'll play it for you right here. But we we do get that song, and and it's quite a good one. Um, I like it an awful lot, I have to say. From there, the last thing we're gonna talk about before we wrap up this episode is Siri. What was Siri up to during her parts in this episode? Well, in Siri's timeline, it's far in the future. It's uh well it's the present, I guess, as I keep trying to tell myself. It's twelve sixty three and in Siri's timeline she is still on the run and she has been for a while. Seasons have changed. When she left it looked like it could have been Maybe autumn. You know, it looked like it was kind of cool outside, but it wasn't bad. She is now in a very wintry forest. It is snowy as all heck. And she has been surviving, but she looks like she's kind of worse for wear. She runs into a young boy who seems to be a mute by the name of Dara. And Dara helps her survive in this, you know, frozen landscape. He offers her some, what was it? I believe it was fire roasted rat And she turns it down and she sees him enjoying his little rat going, well, it's up to you, whatever. Like, you know, and this is kind of like showing, okay, she's starting to learn things are different outside the castle walls. I'm going to have to adjust. Um, But from here, Dara actually leads Siri to a refugee camp, specifically a refugee camp of those who had fled Sintra after the fall of Sintra. So these are the surviving people of that fall city. And the only people who survived that were those who were locked up in the castle, who were, you know, the hoity-toity, well-to-do folks who were at the big banquet the night Sintra fell. Now, when Ciri gets here, she kind of gets introduced to a family. Dara has left at this point also. But Ciri gets introduced to this family. They're very well off. They have servants. But they're living in a tent in this refugee camp and Siri kind of gets to see the other side of the coin here again, where she has lived this life of luxury of, you know, of benefit. And yet here she is now on the other side with this well-to-do family who are struggling. Yes, they're in a refugee camp. However, they're not struggling as much as their servants who are being treated like absolute crap. And at one point, one of them is forced to take off their shoes in order to give them to Siri. Um So you're you're really seeing Siri's growing a lot as a person in this episode, I feel.
7: Yes, yeah, she's like you said, she's learning that life. Uh, there's much more to life than what she grew up in. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people struggle. A lot of people have it hard out there in the world outside the castle walls. And we also get to learn a bit more of the kind of racism that exists in the world of the continent like the um the servant who is forced to give up his boots to Siri, is a dwarf um, yes which is also they're also treated like second class citizens um kind of like the elves they're not hunted and killed to the degree that the elves are um but they are you know they're servants they're they're clothes washers they're you know stable hands they're you know, they don't get to rise to positions of power in the human world. Dwarves have their own societies and stuff as well, where it's a different case. But in the world of humans, they are not treated like real citizens.
6: No, they are not. Um, and that's that's crossed the board. If you are not 100% human in this world, you are lesser. And there is an awful lot of racism. There's an awful lot of classism. Um, and you're seeing it all happen here. And it's a great way to show it, whilst also showing you know Siri coming to terms with the, the wrong of all of this as well you know um, now at that point the refugee camp does get attacked and specifically it gets attacked because Siri is there because Kerr has been tracking her and Kerr and who was the Black Knight that we talked about in the last episode and his Nilfgaardian forces have now overrun the refugee camp and slaughtered all in their wake that servant the halfling servant Gets his own back on the wife of uh, the family who'd got him to take off his boots for Siri. He stabs the absolute crap out of her. Um, but yes, the whole refugee camp gets overrun. And who comes back to save the day? Our young mute Dara turns up and grabs Siri by the hand and leads her back into the forest. It's at that point we find out when he takes off his hat. That he has little elven ears, meaning that he himself is an elf, and he is not a mute at all, and tells us his name at that point, Dara. Up until this point, he was just Ratboy.
7: Yes, yes. Uh, This is also another education for Ciri, because growing up within the castle walls, she was probably taught, like a lot of humans, that elves were second-class citizens, or they were servants, or there was something to be hunted or killed or wiped out. And now here she is being rescued by an elf. Yes. You know, and it yes. also explains as well why he was why he wouldn't go to the refugee camp with her, why he left. Because he knew that if someone spot that he was an elf, it was bye-bye time for Dara.
6: Yes it was. Yes it was indeed. Now that's kind of what we've seen in a general nutshell in this episode. Uh it would be impossible to cover everything, but they're the big beats. Um now Episode two we met Yennefer, we've seen her beginnings, we've seen her motivations, and now we're kind of getting ready to see her go to the next level. Geralt, we see his, you know, progression seven years on, we meet Yaskir, and we see that now his life, Geralt and Yaskir's, are both kind of going to turn around. Um, and they're they're going to, like, essentially symbiotically help each other moving forward. And then Siri has been surviving for this whole time. And you're seeing that her progression out of the character is bringing her from sheltered princess into, you know, this I have to survive. And in doing so, I'm going to learn a lot of life lessons type of character, um, which is going to be one of many bricks that we're going to use to build up Siri into the badass. We all know that she's going to be by season two. Shane, episode two. What did you think? Was it as strong as the first one? And overall, did you think it was a strong episode?
7: So if the first episode was two thumbs up, this is maybe one and a half thumbs up.
6: Yeah, I'm about there too. Yeah,
7: so once again, it is, I consider these two episodes kind of one and the same because they're both set up episodes. Episode yes. one is to set up Geralt and Witchers and the world and then episode two is to set up yennefer yaskir and a little bit more of siri you know they're very much set up episodes but they're necessary as well completely necessary if yennefer had just appeared in like episode four as like sorceress supreme with all these magical powers you'd be like who the hell is that where did they come from you know we needed to know um and we needed to know her motivations and her backstory and to why she does the things she does in later episodes But it just didn't have as much kind of cool, you know, witchery, fighting monsters, you know, that kind of thing. That's the only thing that gives it that half-thumb-down, is that the first one was so strong with, like, a cool sword fight. And we got introduced to the world of this, and we got to see a Kikimora. And, we, you know, one thing I will give this episode is props to the makeup department. Because Sylvan is kind of, in a lot of the scenes, Sylvan is, um, like, someone in makeup. Torque you know, the, the Sylvan, sorry, Torque the Sylvan. Yeah, is is um is a a human person actor in makeup and prosthetics. Yes, some some parts are you know CG when he has to like do a lot of movement or whatever, but like close-ups and stuff are an actual actor in in prosthetic makeup, and it is really 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 well done.
6: Yeah, the his face in particular reminded me of an Aphex Twin video yes actually. Very, yeah A <laughs> distorted you
7: know? kind of weirdly big forehead yeah. with tiny <laughs> eyes kind of d- yeah actually i get exactly what you mean or rubber bandits video as well but um but yeah it's it,
6: it was great um the makeup department will shine again in what i think is both of our favorite episodes of the opening ones in in the next episode um but yeah like all the departments are really firing on all cylinders in um in every regard now the I'm, I'm there I'm right there with you in terms of feelings I think like if I had to give it like if I only I only have so many thumbs you know so if I had to give the last one or if I gave the last one two, uh, two thumbs up this one would be either one thumb up or one and a half if I could somehow chop off half my thumb and It's for those exact reasons. I think like this show is called Witcher for a reason. He is the most interesting character, not just in terms of his character, but just in terms of what he does in the world. And every episode where you allow Geralt to do his actual job, not just interact with the other characters, they are always going to be the most interesting. So it had a hard act to follow, let's say. But yeah, I think overall, two very strong opening episodes. Definitely one and a half thumbs up, giving us a
7: combined score of three thumbs up, three thumbs up (laughs) altogether. There you go. That's our that's our rating system for for going forward for these episodes is in thumbs. I don't know what's going to happen when we go beyond like four thumbs, because I will figure it out.
6: Yeah, if we got guests on, we're gonna to have to like figure out where do those thumbs fall. Is that, isn't that like a that's like a, a a typical movie rating thing, isn't it? Like two thumbs up or whatever. Yeah, is two that, thumbs up. Is that
7: copyrighted, or are we going to get in any kind of trouble for that? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's yeah. People use thumbs up. People use like you know a five point scale, a hundred point scale, a ten point scale, yeah. a star system, a you know whatever whatever score you want to give it. For us, we're going yeah. with thumbs, and so far. The Witcher has a combined score over two episodes of seven and a half, eight and a half thumbs, seven thumbs, seven thumbs, seven thumbs over two (laughs) episodes, which is pretty good, I think.
6: Yep. Seven out of eight. Ain't bad. Yeah, definitely not. Anyway, with that, that is the end of this season one, episode two, four marks. Join us next week when we dive headfirst into Season 1, Episode 3 of Witcher, the Netflix series where we take a look at Betrayer Moon. Ooh! But with that, I've been Phil, he's been Shane. Take care, but most of all, stay casual and do please enjoy Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. Goodbye! When um
5: Raced
1: a ride along With Geralt of Rhyme Along came this song From when the white wolf fought A silver tongue devil His army of elves At his hooves did they Travel
7: They came after me With masterful deceit
1: broke down my loot and they kicked in my teeth while the devil's horns minced our tender meat And so cried
5: the witcher He can't be bleed Toss a coin to your witcher, O oh valley of plenty O oh valley of plenty oh. Toss a coin to your witcher of Plenty At the edge of the world, fight the mighty horn that bashes and breaks you and brings you to more. He thrust every hour far back on the shelf, high up on the mountain. Once again oh. He wiped out your past You're kicked in his chest He's a friend of humanity So give him the rest That's why every tale Our champion brother Defeated the villain Now poor handsome man to the
0: sick every minute counts so don't go anywhere go to dispatchhealth.com where high quality medical care comes directly to you no getting out of a sick bed no crazy driving to an emergency room no endless paperwork no hospital waiting rooms visit dispatchhealth.com to learn about our medical professionals then make house calls dispatch health is covered by medicare and most major insurance go to dispatchhealth.com
1: I'm a business-owning, meal-prepping, 24-7 supermom. But who is it nowadays? And for me, first day of school success begins at Office Depot, Office Max, where everything my kids need to start the year strong is in one place, like a laptop for my high schooler, backpacks and notebooks for the little ones, and hand sanitizer for all of the above. I can even order things for my business. It's all available in-store and online at officedepot.com and at low prices all season long. Office Depot, Office Max. Their business is to keep school going.
0: When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to dispatchhealth.com where high quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit dispatchhealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to dispatchhealth.com.
6: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode. Wait a second, actually. What is it, 53?
8: Yes. 53. Yeah, yeah, it's your last time. We was are 52. sure about that. Yeah, 53 yeah. was last week, sure, of course. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, right, sorry. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 53 of the Casual Gamecast A weekly video game podcast for the everyday gamer Brought to you by the team at Casual Game Content I'm Phil Kyo I'm Shane Bowe. And
8: Uh oh, podcast so nice you've got to come on it twice It's me, I'm Aaron
6: Hi guys <laughs> 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 Can I just point something out? I've noticed this when we were looking back over last week's <laughs> video <laughs> Is <laughs> you always start off really soft Oh yeah, really sultry. And then you then you you, you taper off to be normal after that. Why? Yeah,
8: I don't know. Maybe it's it's a nervous tick, I always start off skittish. I've got to ease myself into a conversation, or else I frighten like a woodland we, we, we'd deer. we would got
6: to get like you know a kind of a, a biscuit or you know some kind of like nuts or something to just kind of yeah. ease you out of your. Uh, and you have to warm. approach.
8: You have to approach me from the side and upwind.
6: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Thompson, the Badger of CGC. (laughs) If you have never been here before, welcome. You've stumbled across what is by far the most casual of gaming podcasts on the interwebs, a casual game cast, if you will. And if you have been here before, welcome back, because we've got a great show for you guys this week. We are, as per usual, going to chat it up in all things this week in gaming and just in our lives in general this week. Then we are going to take a quick break, remind you guys about our socials before jumping into... What happened at Gamescom? We are actually 50% through it as we record it at this moment in time. One day of Gamescom has happened, the other day is happening as we speak, and possibly something is going to happen tomorrow. So we kind of have the lowdown on what happened yesterday, day one. But it seems as if most of the announcements happened there, so that's pretty good. And we're just going to talk about what we've seen there. Before we go any further though, rather than throwing it to each of you individually, I'm going to throw it to The Room. How has the
7: week been? The week's been grand for me. Working flat out. Nothing new, nothing exciting. Did I do anything new or exciting this week? I don't think so.
6: Okay, new rule. We're not allowed anymore to come on and say, "No, nothing happened. No, we're having, a, 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 you know, a boring week." What we have to do is if, if we can't think of anything interesting to happen, we have to come up with like a pet peeve or we have to come up with like an interesting fact or we have to come up with something that's just like, you know, punch in the face of information.
8: Right, Ooh, that's interesting. Um, hmm. <laughs> so, like true. every week, we have to go out of our way. F- or six, six days of the week, we have to go out of our way just to do something exciting to bring it on into here, like show
6: and tell. Well, if that's if that's less painful yeah. than doing a quick Google search for something interesting, then yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> right, I'll get us. I'll uh, get us started there. I'll vamp for a few moments as as we think. Yeah. Anyway, so this week I have uh, done. Well, I think my most interesting thing I've done this week is I have been trying, it's very warm in here, pardon me, but I have been trying to get back into streaming in somewhat of a casual, if you'll excuse the pun, way. And in doing so, I've been kind of setting up all my overlays and setting up like all of the little nitty-gritty bits and pieces that you can kind of do. It's one of those things, isn't it? Aaron and Shane, I don't know how much you've ever messed around with like overlays and all that kind of crap but like when i get into these things i can't stop myself I'm, I'm losing days and hours and hours and hours just trying to get like my ps2 footage to like you know fit inside this fake tv overlay and you know have my casual game code stuff coming in and you know at the perfect time and all of these like random emotes and stuff happening it's it's a whole thing it's a whole thing
8: mm. no it absolutely is um i mean i love it but it's always the case of like you get something you're like, oh yeah, that's grand, that's nice, and then you uh, you like implement it. You go, I love the way it looks. What well, if it was like just slightly to the left? though. <laughs> yeah. And then you go because I I did it myself because I was setting up. I, I I've only done one stream so far, and I, I do wish to get into it more. But uh, I had to basically go into like Photoshop and After Effects and make my own stream overlays because there's none for just twenty one by nine streaming. There also isn't 21 by 9 streaming, which I found out afterwards, so everything I made was just squashed in anyway. (laughs) Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, there is in a way, but um, not the way I was doing it.
6: Um, That is interesting, actually. So if you've got like an ultra wide mm. monitor, you're just going to have like the ideal situations you have a game running here and you have like OBS over here because it can't actually display like Apex Legends at like this mad aspect.
8: Yeah, so. The yeah, it'll either just give you the four by three. Um, in, uh, I, well, I was using Streamlabs, so it either gives you like a four by three, and you just have big black bars on the side, um, or you can stretch it out, and then you end up missing like vertical details. So- it's kind of... A bit, I've no idea what kind of a nightmarish stream it would look like on a mobile device, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a look, and You've I mean... a it very niche market there, Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> it wasn't too bad, because, I mean, at least, I was only streaming Ableton, so you know, you're only talking about looking at, like, a music software and timelines. Mm-hmm. It was grand mm-hmm. that was squished in, but uh, even still, I was uh, I was fairly squeezed
6: into the corner during my <laughs> live stream. Um, well, lesson learned. Um, yeah, yeah. Now... Enough about that, I guess. But if anybody does want to follow the Casual Game co-Twitch, you can do so. It is, as I said there, it's the same as all of our socials. C-A-S-U-A-L-G-A-M-E-C-O on Twitch. Can't miss it. Can't be any simpler. Shane, anything interesting to say?
7: Yes, I <laughs> actually general. do. Some, oh, <laughs> something popped into my head the other day. and Because I'm not into it right now. Aaron, they are mm-hmm. just talking about streaming music and stuff. I came across a YouTube channel the other day that... I know Aaron would be interested in um, from a music perspective and I know you would be interested in from a game perspective. So yeah. the YouTube channel is called Jeff Plays Guitar. I can't remember which spelling of Jeff it is. He also has like a Spotify channel and everything. But anyway, what he does is he goes, what would like say a Final Fantasy song sound like if it was played in the style of the music from Doom? Or, you know, what? lately he's been on this crazy Doom kick where it's like, what does a, a, what does the soundtrack of Bloodborne sound like if you played like the way music in Doom is played? And he just puts right. out videos like this all the time. And his Bloodborne one, he plays the boss music from the Ludwig fight from the DLC, and his Doom version absolutely slaps hard. It is a yeah. banger. I have not stopped listening to it. But he does it <laughs> nice. with loads of games and loads of, like... It's mainly Doom music at the moment. That must be whatever his obsession is lately. But he has a ton of different games, like Final mm. Fantasy, Bloodborne. I think he did one for Castlevania as well. Um, but it's definitely worth checking out from both a game perspective and a music perspective.
8: Yeah, uh, No, I definitely... I've definitely heard the name, or at least seen it before, Um yeah no i, I definitely want to I, I want to hear that now because especially anything just done in the style of doom it's such a like mick gordon is mm. he is a human being like i i don't know else
6: he, <laughs> what a statement uh, he, is, he, he just shane i i have to say it to you it's been a year man but you are a human being sound yeah.
7: sound i've always it's wondered just, i've never been
6: sure
8: <laughs> i i don't know i don't know how else to describe it other than like i just see that like, he's like just an ideal human being who you'd want to be just in terms of like the music production like the quality mm. you know like most of the guitars on the doom soundtrack are literally just like pitch shifted um chainsaws and stuff like that like the idea that the ideas that, that chap goes through and the work he does in terms of like audio producing that he was working on bring me's um newest record and you can just tell there's especially a section in like the middle of one of their songs and it just goes into this doom style breakdown where you're like uh pitch shifted chainsaws and like the the dirty blown out drums and what have you yeah um yeah i'm not surprised he's on a big doom kick anyway which is where i was going with this because like mick gordon just has it has such a sound to it do you know what i mean the second second that's put on you just know oh that's doom that's due, and it's just that's that's
6: down to like Mick Gordon just being a fucking genius, yeah, for sure, like it it's it's probably of twenty sixteen it's probably the most memorable soundtrack, like you know it's mm. it hits you in the face and you know what it is immediately, and that's exactly what that game really needed on the comeback, you know,, yeah. like it needed to hit on all cylinders, like both from gameplay perspective and the vibe, and the vibe was a lot of it was. That music from back in the day, and it it one hundred percent is like okay if I took that DOS music, and I brought it into the twenty twenties or whatever, mm. yeah, that's that. It was such a home run. Um, but mm. with all that being said, lads, there we go. That was our interesting thought experiment. We're going to continue it on next week. So, Laz, be ready for next week when we come back around. But if you did something interesting, you get a pass. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. This week has been um, one unlike any other because we have our very first live Gamescom. We also have a special feature dog in the background, so um, you know (laughs) he's an unofficial member of CGC at the moment. But Gamescom this year, because of COVID, things had to go on, but they did the smart thing and they made it a digital event, meaning that. There was a hell of a lot going on, and there is still a hell of a lot going on, and we've quite a bit to talk about. But before we dive into any of that, Shane, I want to know, have you played anything this week, my
7: friend? I have. I have upheld my promise, and I have started playing Metro Exodus. Hey! Hey. The PS5 upgraded, you know, super duper coat paint version. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. It looks really pretty. It has, like, you know ray traced water reflections and you know day and night cycles and you know dynamic weather and all this kind of carry on um facial animations are a bit jank when you're like talking to npcs and stuff like that mm-hmm. but you know that's that's a lot of games have jank facial animations like like yeah so many games have super pretty environments and like you know weapon details when you're holding them in your hands and just jank facial animations and everyone sounds like an american person trying to do a russian accent
6: yeah that was my biggest problem with every metro game really i played them all in russian
7: right there is literally a line that happened at the near the start of this game where (laughs) you're like go leaving your base or whatever and you're talking about going to another one and one of the soldiers makes a joke he's like oh hopefully there'll be single women at this base and the guy literally turns and goes that is great reaction (laughs) 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 what the hell is that (laughs)
6: That is great reaction.
7: <laughs> but the game, the gameplay is fun. It's fun now exploring these kind of semi-open areas. You kind of go on a train from like to new areas every couple of missions or whatever, and they're kind of the train stops. You get off, and you kind of have these big open environments to explore find things if it rewards exploration as well if you're willing to go poking around you might find like you know i found night vision goggles which came really in handy because i poked around enough or i found like a silencer for my gun or new body armor or all that kind of stuff yeah and it's quite tough as well it's a hard game
6: it is a bit Mm. yeah it is a bit i only played about half of it and i need to go back to it but i do remember being challenging enough what what level are you playing it on is it like medium or hard i or... just
7: play everything on regular i i sure, I, sure, sure, I don't sure, care sure. much for like the hard easy debate or anything like that i just whatever the game is set to when i turn it on is usually what i play it in yeah of course you of know course. i never even bother checking unless i'm really struggling you yeah
8: know? normally that's what it's built for and then like you play on easy it's just an easier version of what they were giving you in the first place or so you do you end up getting the literally just the best experience because it's the experience that like it was built for that you're getting when you just go for that regular or whatever the immediately set difficulty is like
6: 100 percent. and in fact that's going to tie into our community question of the week at the end which i forgot Mm -hmm. to announce comes in from our good buddy Waxticles, who asks should every game have an easy mode and you know essentially that whole debate of you know should easy modes be in everything yada yada there has been that big resurgence of no shouldn't because of essentially the dark souls community and people of that ilk <laughs> but uh we'll get into that at the end of this podcast but aaron mm-hmm. need to know have you been playing anything this week
8: i have i've been playing a game that i've been looking forward to for a while now and the first game i have pre-bought i'd say in in a very long time and that yeah is-
6: you you actually said that i really want to be in this episode as a Podcast yeah, because of this game, right?
8: Specifically, because I've been playing Humankind.
6: Yes, yes. This is um, this is a game I want to hear about.
8: Yes, this is four X's. Um, essentially, they're they're they're. Um, I don't want to say sequel, but like next game following on from the Civ franchise. Mm. Um, let me just tell you that <laughs> in it's been out since the seventeenth today, as of filming. So it's been out nine days. Uh, essentially, no. I have seventy point four hours put into the game. Wow, nice! <laughs> nice. I love humankind. You know that? <laughs> it has issues. It's still very early. There's a lot like you'll get. So essentially, you get like choices pop up every now and again, kind of like mm. the way they're doing like Crusader Kings or, or other like Paradox Interactive strategy games. Um, so, like, a dialogue option will come up, you pick one or two, and I, I got one before that was, like, narrative event underscore 20%, no, like, not declined, Joe, because um th- that just wasn't in, there's, there's still bugs like that, and uh, sometimes when, like, you end the game, your soldiers just disappear off the map and stuff like that, but everything, like, in between those moments, I'm like, it's just, it's Civ with... It's streamlined Civ Six, essentially the way I see it. Like, and the just you've, you, it feels a lot more like a story when you're playing it in comparative to Six, or sorry, to Civ Six. You know, when like you started, like, okay, I'm settling my city now, and then I have to develop this and build that. Whereas, like, with humankind, it feels like you've actually watched like this nomadic tribe go into the industrial era and beyond and stuff like that.
6: I don't know what it is, what they did with it why it's just it just feels right <laughs> yeah because it's it's kind of like from my understanding i know very little i haven't played it at all and i kind of i might am i don't know i'm not really that big into these kind of games but i do like to try them um it seems as though it's like civ but it's not do you know the way like civ is a bit weird where like every civilization exists at the same time so it's kind of like you know cleopatra is like fighting with you know somebody who was Bismarck a different time yeah plan, you know, yeah. Bismarck. yeah yeah like this seems to be like no you start at a point and you're going to work your way up and your tribes or whatever are going to level up into whatever their next evolution is but then also your enemies are and um, one complaint I'm hearing about it is that like much like Age of Empires or something when you do level up, like all of your little, you know, encampments, like your barracks and your, you know, your different um, factories and what have you, they all change, of course, because you're kind of moving into a new era. But then you're doing that so often and so are your enemies that it can be kind of hard to keep track of what everything is because it's just rapidly changing around you at any time.
8: Yeah, um, that, that is very true. Um, so the way progression works in Humankind is you start out with like a single nomadic tribe. Do you know in the like mm-hmm. of Civ, you'll start with a settler and a builder, or sorry, a settler and a warrior. So in Humankind, you start with a single tribe. But what that single tribe can do is place like an outpost you can generate into a city, which you don't have to do immediately. You, spe- you tend to spend the first couple of turns just looking around. Um, that's that's the other thing about humankind in comparison to Civ, which I love, is that the starting phases of a game are a lot more stretched out than Civ. You're not immediately trying to build. You're immediately trying to, like, discover new land, best places. So that's the thing about the nomadic tribe. You send it to look around the environment and what have you. But if it finds enough food, it can self-replicate. So you don't need to place, like, a city or an outpost in order to spawn more members of your tribe. They obviously, like, within the game, breed and generate a new one once there's enough food to facilitate them to do that. And so you can keep replicating these scouts and end up uh, finishing... By going, By the time you go... So it goes Neolithic and then Ancient Era. And right. Ancient Era, that kind of tends to come in... You tend to get there around, like, turn 10 or 11. But you could go into that with like five tribe members who then instantly turn into scouts because you're no longer a nomadic tribe. So when you enter a new era after you've earned era stars, and that could be in the nomadic tribe, that'll be say like, oh, kill 10 deer or kill 10 animals, or it'll say find 15 science items or what have you. Mm -hmm. You go into the next era and you pick a culture. So that's where what you were saying comes in about like you're not stuck with the one civilization for the entire game. You change every culture, uh, yeah. sorry, you change culture every every era, and so different cultures have different stackable traits, so like some would be more militaristic, some would be more into money, some would be more into land expansion, some would be more into just production or some are into science. And so with every culture, you have like a core, which essentially becomes like your passive for that game. So it might just be like, oh, for every farm, plus two science or what have you. Um, And then that will stick with you till the next era. There are also like additional things that come with it, but then you obviously lose that when you go on to the next thing. So you can keep stacking and set your build for your civilization based off of like stacking and multiplying the bonuses from each culture that you can get. And then obviously, uh you know, the faster you get to the next term, so the faster you play. Well, then the earlier you get to pick a culture, so you have a better chance at like stacking your build. And then like AI could take it away because they might just have an absolute explosion during the industrial era or something like that. And all the time you're playing it, you genuinely feel like um, there there's actually you're watching a development and. I remember I was saying it to you when I started, it was like I love games where you start with nothing and by the time you're finished you're like this is a whole different playing field. And sure. that is what humankind feels like. You start, you're very small on the map, you've nothing, you go around and discover and by the time you get to like the end of the game, which I've only done once played through a full game, um, by the time you get to that stage, you won't even recognise how like small of of or how, like, little importance, like, that one cliff you couldn't get past as a Neolithic tribe, and now you're flying nukes over it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can... <laughs> it, it, there is... The, there's just that, that thing. Is, that's it, a
6: nice bit of satisfaction right there.
8: Yeah, yeah. You def- you feel like you're a lot bigger. In terms of what you were saying about um the changing of the what would you call it the the graphics or the appearance of say like different districts yeah, that like you can that's, play that's
6: only a minor thing I'm hearing on podcasts and stuff like that yeah. uh, people who maybe aren't as you know oh, up to speed on these types of games yeah. or whatever but that's just like a lot to manage you
8: know? no no 100% and that, I, th- I think that's a very valid complaint uh, no point did I think of that so that wasn't a big thing on my <laughs> mind
6: ah uh, yes but your brain is uh, you know five times larger than the average you see, so.
8: <laughs> yeah um, it gets used five times less than the average uh, that's the secret um yeah go, <laughs> but, it's all about uh, that uh, balance but uh 100 long story short you're, yeah. you're really enjoying it though aren't you i do i love it and that's what I say is like that what what you were bringing up there about the changing in graphics i completely see how that could be an issue for someone personally i just place districts and forget about them and just let them grow so i don't play it to the full extent i can uh, yeah i get why that would be a thing it's um I mean, if you just want to get into it and you just want to watch things develop and like just sort of semi think about it and play it maybe more casual as opposed to like getting the
6: best stackable abilities or stuff like that, I love it. I love it for that. Well, there we go. And it seems like you've touched Shane Bow. He looks electric right there. He looks like he's got <laughs> My, to that
7: I feel like you know the <laughs> you know you know the the meme of like um, the guy from The Hangover where he has all like the mats in front of him. Yeah. I yeah. feel like that right now after, like, listening to Aaron talk about that game, because I don't play, like, RTS yeah. Civ-style games at all, because they're always so daunting to me, and there's a lot to manage. And just hearing you talk about it, I'm literally, like, I'm literally like a deer in the headlights sitting here going, like, oh, <laughs> my God, I don't know if I could ever, ever play that <laughs> I <forget> game. I <laughs> get that, because
8: it's so hard to describe, because, like, any other game, you're just like, yeah, it's an FPS set in, like, Russia... And then they know what to imagine. But like, how do you describe like turn-based strategy games? Yeah. Without, when Yeah. You know, do you like, oh yeah, it's like it's like a board game, man, but like more and like digital. <laughs> do you ever play Risk? Yes. Yeah. yeah.
6: <laughs> but yeah, no, sounds good. I must give it a try. That's on Game Pass, I believe, is it?
8: Oh, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
6: Even if it's not, I'm going to have to give it a try. Yeah. Um, but I have been playing quite a bit myself this week. Tell In us. fact... I played from start to finish a Xbox exclusive, at least timed exclusive at this moment, um, which is 12 minutes. That's that like crazy, you know, from top down game starring Daisy Ridley and, you know, ex- Charles Xavier, um, Willem Dafoe, the whole shebang. And it's essentially where you are a dude who walks into his apartment, greets his wife and a whole lot of crap happens and essentially it's just the same couple of minutes over and over and over again until you can figure out how to break the cycle. It is really, really good for the first like hour or two. And then it gets super, super tedious. But then when you see the end of it, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm glad I saw that, but it didn't need to be that tedious. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, it's a, it's a point and click adventure game, which I didn't expect. You know, <laughs> like I, it really had like I have it on Game Pass. OK, so I could play it on the console, which I did at first. And then when I loaded it up, it was like a little marker that I was moving with the left stick and like click A to pick up thing. I was like, oh, hell no. So I, I swiftly turned my swivel chair around and downloaded it on the PC and played it there. Um, But which is a great thing about Game Pass, by the way, like shout that from the rooftops is like, oh, I'd rather play this on PC. I can't. You know, um. But the gameplay—it's really interesting. Like it's Annapurna. You know, these guys don't publish non-interesting games for better or worse. They're always interesting. And the voice casting that I know came in at the last moment is pretty good. Like James McAvoy, as I said earlier, Charles Xavier, because that's where his he is now for me, um was pretty good at doing an american accent and so was daisy ridley if if i wasn't told that it was these two people you know i would not have guessed it was them you know mm. uh willem Defoe was is chewing up all the scenery and he is completely willem Dafoe. It's <laughs> just there is no getting him out of this you know uh, and it's not his first game either i thought he'd be very much like you know oh i know what this is um, he did that game with uh, Ellen Page, didn't he? The Quantum Break or no? Beyond no. Two Souls. Oh,
7: it's it's from Quantic Dream. Um. Quantic Dream, yeah. Beyond, yes, Two Souls, uh, Beyond Two Souls. Beyond Two
6: Souls. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So he he's been around the block. know, yeah. yeah, He's done. He's on mocap and everything, which he didn't have to do for this one. But again, he probably recorded a lot of lines from home, and the direction was probably hard or whatever. But like, yeah, he's he's super defoe. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it it starts off really interesting. You're you're kind of. Every time you die, or every time you try to leave the apartment, you return back to the beginning. And this can happen like in a minute, or it could happen within 12 minutes. But when 12 minute comes, regardless of whether you've died or gone out of the apartment, it also goes back. So that's where that name comes from. Um, it's very hard as well to get to that 12-minute point, because you have to do an awful lot of things to allow that to happen. Because Willem Dafoe is going to burst in that door, and he's going to kick your ass and take no names. Like, he's... He's all down for business and you have to try and figure out why he's there, how you're going to stop him. And in order to stop him, like you have to set up like a daisy chain of events and then your daisy chain of events will get you to a point where you learn some information that you can then bring into the next loop because you retain all of your information. And so you can kind of over like 12 loops or so. I had built up enough information from different conversations to convince my wife, the moment I walked through the door, I was like, whoa, okay, I'm in a loop, this shit happened, I know this because you're messed up and this is why, and blah, 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 and it's like, okay, we're all on board, cool, now let's focus on the problem. <laughs> it's like it's that kind of gameplay. Um, it's really interesting, I would definitely advise anyone with Game Pass, do give it a shot, but when you get to that point of frustration, whip out a guide. Honest to God, you would not have guessed what you needed to do. It would have taken you hours, and it's not that long of a game. It's worth seeing the end. Just get to the end, you know?
7: Yeah, it sounds Mm -hmm. similar to the last Annapurna game I played, which I reviewed, was... um, Maquette. Yes, Maquette. And it was, like, really interesting at first, and great, like, voice cast and great dialogue and stuff. And then it just started to wear really thin, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I just, like... I was kind of just beelining to the end. I was like, I just want to get to the end of this game so I can review it and be done with it because your your whole shtick wore off after about two hours.
6: Yeah. yeah, and this game had the potential to like deviate from that, but not only did it expect you to do something you never had to do before towards the end, and it's just like, I would have never, you didn't put my mind in a place where I could have put two and two together to work this piece out here, you know? Uh, when I looked it up on the guide, I went, "What? you can do that. Do you know, like that, is, that which, which is kind of a failing after four hours of playing the six, you know, same six minutes again and again and again and again. But what really kind of grinded my gears about it was you have to keep trying things. And eventually, like the biggest thing without giving anything away is if you are playing it and you can't figure out what to do next and you're not quite ready to go to the guide. If you tried something before and it didn't work, try it again. Because it will probably work again the second or third time. But you do this kind of like cat and mouse thing of like, you know, remember that game, that board game, mouse trap where you have to like do all the different mm-hmm. things before you get the mouse. It's essentially that every time you start, you're like, OK, I put the cup here and a knife here and I put some drugs in her coffee and I do this and I do this and I do this. Do, 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 do. And then you get to a point where you're like, OK, now here's where I get to try something new. And then you do it and it was the wrong thing. Now I have to do all that again. Try something different. That was also the wrong thing. All that again. And so it's like an hour of just setting the same scenario up again and again and again and again and again. And again. Yeah. <laughs> so that can be a bit tedious.
8: Yeah, I, I haven't got to play it, but um, I, I definitely saw some coverage between like just people I watch on, on, on Twitch and YouTube playing it. I've seen some of some of the reactions to some parts of it and people are... um. Very shocked at some of the revelations that that get thrown up. But uh, the other thing is I've seen them out of context. So maybe, maybe they shouldn't be shocked. Maybe they should be more shocked later on down the line. But uh, I'm interested to see it because um, that was the first yeah. thing I noticed was especially you associate point and click games almost with just like 2D pixel. I, I mean... I, I went and, and stuff like yeah, that. yeah, essentially, and when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, it it did. It looks it looks very interesting. I I do I want to give it a shot now."
6: Do do do. Um, before we jump into Gamescom, I did start another game, and Shane, you will like this.
7: Okay,
6: I started Ghost of Tsushima. Yes, yes, we were texted about this. Yes, we were. Yes, so <laughs> spill
7: spill the beans. How 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 is it so far?
6: It's pretty great. Yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome. I'm really happy. I waited for the better version. Yeah, um, sixty frames a second. I don't know how I would have played it without it. You know, I know that you can do that now with the PS4 version, but like it that was only like a couple of weeks ago. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, it's great. Um. It's kind of like, it's like a a standard. Sony third person exclusive open world game. If you cross that then with a bit of Breath of the Wild, and I don't know, there's something about it that I'm I really like it. I love this. I love the setting. Yeah. Okay. I like. I I love that whole you know a Kurusara setting because like that's what it's going for. It's not even going for any form of historical accuracy like it's just going for complete you know kurosawa mad samurai stuff um which i which i'm all about i'm okay with that uh because it allows for that mystical kind of tinge, you know and um, i love the environments like breath of the wild comes to me every time i go through like you know a field with like swaying grass and you know uh, the wind is guiding you which is a great mechanic and you know all these things and then the combat is visually nice, but there's not a lot to it. I found. I kind of like, I, once I kind of understood the rock, paper, scissors of everything, I'm like, oh yeah, this is super easy. Uh, you know, I kind of, um I'm okay with that though. I wanted to turn it up to hard and I went, no, no, I would like to finish this game.
7: <laughs> yeah. It's not too bad on hard. I, I think I fiddled about with it on hard a little bit just to see, because I put a lot of time yeah. into that game. And it is like you say, it's like, you know, oh, if it's a guy with a sword, use this stance. If it's a guy with a shield, mm-hmm. use this stance. Um, you know but they do like the game does get more difficult as you move through the acts and the chapters and there is new enemy types and more difficult enemy types um but, that's
6: what i'm hoping for yeah no there
7: yeah. Is, there is a bit of that and there is a bit of kind of you know when you raid a camp like in the early game it's like you know six dudes around a few tents and a bonfire when you get further into the game and you go to raid a camp there is like a castle and 40 soldiers yeah. and you know all mm, this yeah. kind of stuff so i really like the stealth as well i like sneaking around and you know I'm a very big fan of sneaking around and like stabbing boys in the neck and stuff like that, and shooting them. Sure, sure, and things, sure. You know? I find that really fun. But yeah, it's well, like, it's an awesome game. The, the,
6: mm. it is a great game. The the thing is with the stealth is though, I think they could have done more with it. You know, it, it's very like by the numbers stealth game. Mm. You know, it's yeah. it's just like here's the tall grass and this is the only place where you won't be seen. Yeah. No matter how yeah. much noise you make, as long as you're crouched, and then. You know, here's where you can, like, you know, hide behind a wall. And here's, like, press square to stab. And, you know, it's just, like, I felt, like, the, the game kind of, the whole point, like, the whole concept is, like, he is a samurai. And he is being forced to kind of pick up ninjutsu tactics against his will, almost, to take back Tsushima. And that is super interesting in terms of story. And I don't know why people said the story is bad in this game. I'm actually am quite enjoying it so far. Yeah. um, But the ninja stuff... And I know it's never called ninjutsu in the game or whatever, but that's what it is. is—like it, It's it's silent, like, tievery tactics, you know? And, you know, knifing guys in the back. Samurais don't do that. Um, but, like, for a game that's leaning so much into this guy is going to start taking up stealth, I really was hoping to do something, like, interesting with that. But it, it is very by the numbers when you're sneaking around, I found.
7: Yeah, it can be. It can be for sure. Like, mm. like you said, it doesn't do anything different stealth-wise than most other open-world games. Hide in the grass, hide behind the wall, whatever. I don't know, jump over a bin or something. The like, usual carry on.
6: Yeah. yeah, like my 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 question to myself yesterday was: if this wasn't set on Tsushima Island, if this was set in, I don't know, like anywhere else, really. Like, if this was just like not Japanese and mystical, would this be considered a great game, or would this be considered like is this is the setting and the wind and you know all of that type of stuff? Is that doing a lot of heavy lifting? to like make you want to really come back to it because like, i'm coming back to it a lot for the visuals i have to i have to admit like yeah no i
7: did the same for mm-hmm. me the, what got me excited about that game from day one from the minute i seen a trailer was the whole kurosawa samurai aspect The mm-hmm. like having a duel like with another samurai when there's like autumn mm-hmm. leaves blowing across the camera and stuff like that like i was i array. was living for all that stuff and i think yeah. that's what got me like I really ended up liking the game as well, but all that stuff is what pulled me in from when they first started showing trailers and gameplay and that kind of thing, you know? Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I think so. I think it does a lot, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either. You know, like, people go to games, certain games for certain reasons, and I think that's a great reason to go to that game, especially, I don't know if you've done many of them, but all darted around the map as you go through the game, there is, like, one-on-one samurai duels. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're very different, a lot of them. And this takes yes. place in very specific, like, artsy locations, like next to a waterfall or, you know, yeah, on, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. coast where there's lightning striking and it's a storm. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's at its most, like, samurai movie, and it's so good. Yeah. It is so
6: good, no, yeah. I, I really want to put on that black and white Kurosawa filter. Yeah, I was going to ask. But I didn't yeah. have the balls to do it.
8: Oh, <laughs> uh, I I played, like, the first... I'd say out of my total playthrough of Ghost of Shishima, my I'd say the first half I nearly played in Kurosawa mode. I just thought it looked nice. so good. Cool. And it, going with what you're saying about like the um the graphics or the visuals doing heavy lifting, I yeah, I don't think it's it's that bad either. I mean, it was one of those it was one of those few games that like when I was playing it, you know, say if there was an interaction on the road or if you're going into a camp, I kind of just went, Phew. I just got into it, and it was like I was watching a film like i think a game like game cinematics you know dragging you in it's definitely something to commend the game for as well and the same with what you were saying both like um you know they'd have duels next to like unbelievable backgrounds and um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
6: the artistic design is fantastic like yeah
8: they absolutely knew what they were doing they did uh i I don't want to use the word robbed but they definitely took a lot of inspiration from the likes of curacao films with um you know, like you'll see the wind moving in the background, and then mm-hmm. the character's foreground movement—the the way it was shaped and shot. Um, yeah, definitely, I I loved it. And if there if there is a game right now that could convince me to buy a PS five, I actually would do. Only I don't own a PS five yet, but <laughs> when I do, uh, when I do, yeah, I definitely I, I do want to give it another shot because I had next to no complaints about that game to be honest and it wasn't even something that i was majorly into it just got to a point where so many people were like you would love this game that was like
7: well you can't all be wrong and uh they weren't do you know what it does it sells you the fantasy of being a samurai wandering Mm -hmm. the wandering the land Mm -hmm. living with honor having jewels you know sitting playing your flute or whatever spending time Mm -hmm. with your horse Writing haiku, yeah, writing haiku. It just it just sells the samurai tale, and that's yeah, that's all I ever wanted.
6: Yeah, that's all we ever wanted. But yeah, it's awesome. Um, really looking forward to to wrapping that guy up. I'll probably, I'll definitely finish this one. Um, probably not going to go back to days gone now. At this point, I'm kind of like, I'm probably I'm probably far enough away now. I think I got it. I I seen your impressions. I'm happy enough with that chain. Anyway. That has been what we've been playing and what we've been up to this week. Let's move on. Let's let people know about our beautiful, beautiful socials before we dive into what happened at day one of Gamescom during this week. Play that thing.
0: When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sickbed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork no hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com.
6: Hey there! If you want to keep up with all things casual game content, you can do so in a number of ways. The easiest way to do so is to follow us on all of our socials at Co. Not content because you only get 15 characters, but hey, what can you do? At Casual Game Co. That's at C-A-S-U-A-L-G-A-M-E-C-O. Can't be any simpler than that on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. And when you're at Facebook, look for the group, the Casual Game Community. It's a good bunch. We're going to love you. Come on by. If you could do us a massive favour, like the podcast, review the podcast, and just tell a friend about the podcast. It goes a long way, and you can find all of our content on podcast forms, wherever you get your podcasts, by searching for Casual Gamecast. Thanks again for all of your help and all of your support. It means the absolute world to us. Now, back to the show. And we are back. Now, this week, as I said, we had a online Gamescom. And we have had one day of this so far. So, my boys, my beautiful, beautiful boys, let's dive in to this sweet, sweet Gamescom goodness that we got. And I'd like to start off with a little reboot. We don't, Not a remaster, you know, not a remake. It's a different, re, it's a reboot, okay? Mm. And I like to see this because it's of a game series that's actually near and dear to my heart for all the wrong reasons, Which is Saints Row. Saints Row is getting a full-on, honest-to-goodness, grounds-up remake, or reboot. It's so hard not to say remake. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you guys think of this? Have you seen any of it? Uh, I saw the trailer. Yeah, Yeah. me too. Okay, cool. What Um, did you think of the trailer, my boy, Aaron? Well, they
8: didn't... Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it's taken a better... Uh, better direction than the series has decided to go it looks a lot more grounded at least mm-hmm. well as grounded as Saint Ro gets um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly it doesn't look like it's I mean I, I feel like maybe at some point Saint Ro it tried to like straddle the line of like satire and over the top humour but I think it just it got so ill intentioned it ended up becoming what it was taking the piss out of you know like just adding in unnecessary things made it, yeah i think everyone kind of has got to a point where they're like yeah saints row probably should have stayed a bit more realistic cuz i mean the other thing is sure. with with how insane they made everything they made everything insane so nothing it just became a new world if you know what i mean it wasn't an insane yeah. world it was yeah. just that yeah. what was happening was normal for that world cuz the insane things that were being happen or that were happening were being you know, drowned out by all the other insane things and it wasn't like you're doing something mental in a perfectly normal world like in said the likes of GTA or even up to Saints Row 2 mm-hmm. uh, especially and even to some degree Saints Row 3 but um yeah so hopefully they do they keep the world more serious so that like your antics feel better and greater and by the looks of it they still seem to be having the same stylings without all the um the unnecessary
6: fanfare that sort of yes. drowns out. Yes, Yeah. That That's where my mind was too. It's, um, you know, like Saints Row 1, I thought was like an ambitious, who are these guys? And it, this is actually not that bad. You know, like it, it was one of those types of games where I didn't expect to like it and it was pretty good. Saints Row 2 was great. And then Saints Row 3 was arguably better again, depending on who you ask. But 4 was really well-received at the time, but that's where they introduced, like, superhero mechanics mm. and you were, like, in a virtual world. And, yeah, it really jumped the shark at that point, e- even for Saints Row. Um, mm. Even though it, it was well-reviewed, it wasn't really well-remembered, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, they even remastered Saints Row 3 recently, which was free on Epic Store this week. I was And, say, yeah. you know, people jumped at that. It's like, yeah, this is what we want. So, like, obviously, the proof of concept when they remastered that was, are people still interested in non superhero saints row oh they are great because we're remaking it mm-hmm. um it's a it, the trailers cg trailer it's not gameplay so obviously you know pinch of salt there's nothing really being you know shown here apart from the fact that unless that shirtless dude is called johnny Gat, i don't think that character is going to be around anymore and i'm kind of okay with that um and it does look like a whole new refresh of the characters and if that CGI trailer is any indication of what we're looking at in terms of graphical fidelity, it looks pretty sweet. Mm. So, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I want to see more, obviously, um, but I'm all for it. Shane, any um, thoughts or should we move on?
7: No, no, I'm happy. I'm like happy with the trailer. Looks good. Looks like what Saints Row should be. Saints Row was always the let's be GTA, but let's, like, video games aren't supposed to be too serious. GTA always went to slightly yeah. more serious even though GTA is like farcical in itself, but like they always went a slightly more serious route. So, Saints Row I was like, let's be GTA, but in video game form where it's great crack. And this looks like it's getting yes. back to that the right amount of that because, like you said, it went too far.
6: Yes, and, and when I looked at it as well, it kind of reminded me of what if Saints Row, but also Fortnite?
7: Yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, it has yeah. that look about it slightly as well. Yeah, mm hmm, mm
6: mm-hmm. yeah. hmm, mm hmm. But yeah, we'll, we'll wait to see more. Uh, but another thing that we'll probably wait to see more that maybe Shane will be more excited for is Marvel has a new XCOM-style game apparently coming out. Or at the very least, the XCOM people are making it. We can only assume. We can only assume. Uh, Midnight Suns. Any interest, Shane?
7: Um, I looked at the trailer. I don't play much like strategy games or RTSs or anything like that. I was wondering, was this taken f- more of like as a comic book or superhero fan? I was wondering, is this taken from a specific comic? Is it a made up thing? Because like there's a quite a mix of characters, but, you know, they're all black and gold and glowing suits and stuff like that. Very much driving home the whole sun thing. Yes. And I was like, is this from a specific thing that I don't understand or have never heard of? Or is this a whole new thing that's been made up just for this game?
6: Yeah, I'm not actually 100% sure. I'm actually doing a very quick Google as we speak. But it strikes me as something that has some kind of step or some foot in uh, comics or what have you. But whatever the situation is, and maybe I'm not seeing much here, but maybe if it is or maybe if it isn't, it seems like we have a reason for all of the Marvel Universe to come together and fight a big bad, isn't the ones we know meaning that much like ultimate alliance we probably will be able to recruit the other big bads into your team and use them because you've just got like one singular dude that's not really one you're too familiar with which is nice because you can fight him with all of, with all of the people you know um it's looking pretty sweet like i like XCOM. i never played enough of it because i never really liked the look of it if that makes sense um i liked the idea of it and I'm not the best RTS guy, so like even an action RTS like XCOM, which is the game I was trying to think of when we had all cast guys on, um, even a game like that, I kind of I kind of fall off of it a little bit. It's a little bit too hard for me to play visually or something. But this, it maybe the Marvel license will be enough to you know push me through.
7: Maybe, maybe that's what here. Here's hoping. It's the Marvel license has piqued my interest, and especially the mixed bag of characters as well, has kind of piqued my interest. The fact that like, Blade is in there, Ghost Rider, Iron Man, Doctor Strange. Like, it's a weird mix of Marvel characters to just shove together. So I'm interested to see why, yeah. or what's going on there, and why they chose those particular characters to be all shoehorned in.
6: Blade and Ghost Rider, like, front and centre as well. Like, you yeah. know, like, especially Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, like, is heavily in that trailer, you know?
7: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, he's really there. Like, Maybe
6: Nick Cage is coming back. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> uh, but you are the rts guy anyway um aaron so like does this interest you at all are you more so no no give me god tier looking <laughs> down on my tribes
8: yeah um no it doesn't doesn't interest me much at all i mean that's and it's nothing i don't know i never never actually got into playing XCOM. um which is weird because i feel like it would be something i definitely end up getting into but yeah, every probably. single interaction I have had with XCOM has been clips of people like smashing keyboards over like ninety-seven <laughs> percent accuracy misses, and I That's don't want to join. That wrecks them. my head as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to. It's a bit too um, RNG for me at times. You know when. I don't know. Sometimes I I get a bit miffed when I see games that are like employ your strategy, and then just randomly sometimes it won't. It'll have been pointless, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sort of uh, idea of the game annoys me. So um, I probably may I'll, I'll have a look closer when it comes to release. But um, as for now, I'll I'll, I'll be honest. It's it's been knocked off my chopping block of games
6: to. Possibly get through this year. Well, somebody mm. writes Stan Lee. I'm sure he's going to want to know from the <laughs> Um But moving swiftly on Halo. We finally get a release date for Halo Infinite, and it is coming to us on December 8th without a campaign and without co op. Um, it's strictly going out for multiplayer in order to get it out the gap for the holiday season, it seems. Um, it looks pretty cool like the trailer that they they showed some gameplay i think at the wasn't at the microsoft event it was actually at gamescom and it looks pretty cool because i could be wrong i am trying to go through them all again in between other games on the xbox but like i don't think we've ever seen a situation where like master chief was you know interacting with the normal populace you know like he interacts with like the colonel and other spartans and aliens that was generally about it but in this trailer you're seeing like you know uh spartans kind of dropping down onto the battlefield and there's like kids with hoodies and stuff like running across and he's like don't worry kid i got this Or whatever boom 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 and like i just i had to like weirdly take a moment and go is that the first time i've ever seen him interact with a Civvy? it probably is (laughs) you know in like six games or whatever like you know it's a bit nuts but it does look pretty shiny, and I think getting multiplayer out there whilst it doesn't suit everybody. I think it is a smart move that if, if that's all they, if they could just deliver one thing, I think multiplayer, which is free, keep that in mind. If you have an Xbox, it doesn't matter if you have game pass or not. Multiplayer is free. Um, that's going to get a lot of people in on that you know halo, shooty, shooty space or whatever. And then when that does come in January or February or whatever, you know, they're, they're, they're on it. They're, they're there for it, you know? Yeah, this is what I
7: was about to ask. Is this like a Warzone, Fortnite-type deal? It's just, there's no cost to entry. So, like... Yeah. It's a little... I will not blame Microsoft for this. I blame the news outlets more so. It's a little, like, dick movie going like, oh, Halo Infinite has a release date. Click on our article. And then you're like, yeah, it's just the multiplayer for Halo Infinite. It's just Halo Infinite. <laughs> Halo Infinite doesn't have a release date. Halo Infinite multiplayer yeah. has a release
6: date. Oh, yeah. Let me let me retract, let me retract, let me retract. Okay, I'd read something incorrect. It will, in fact, have the campaign. Oh, it will. It won't have co-op campaign. Okay. And it won't have, sorry, it won't have cooperative campaign multiplayer or its map editing forge. But it will have the free-to-play multiplayer mode. And it will have the standard one player campaign.
7: Oh, okay. So it is actually Halo Infinite released and then it's
6: which is like a full package. Yeah, that's really. fair. No, that's yeah, that's that's yeah. completely
7: yeah, yeah. fair. Well, when when it was just multiplayer, I was like redacted. Yeah. <laughs> redacted. When you said just multiplayer, I was like, oh those sneaky, sneaky Microsoft boys. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
7: <laughs> and then you were going to
6: throw the news like this under the bus. Say, no, Microsoft is fine. <laughs> 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 but no, it's uh, it, it is looking good, and I I, I want. I really hope this goes well for them. I think I think is a three four three mix them these days. I think they need this. I think if they need this to really hit well, you know? Um so here's hoping. They also mm-hmm. announced uh Xbox Series X with like a Halo skin mm-hmm. and a new controller and stuff. Uh looks about as nerdy as every Halo one that's ever come out. So if that's your thing, mm-hmm. all power to you. Um, The controller that was announced at Gamescom that I'm interested for, I don't know if either of you have seen this, is the one for the new Forza Horizon game.
7: Yeah, I've seen it. It looks tasty. Ooh,
6: it is yeah. class. It is so tacky. It's brilliant. Yeah. I love it so much. <laughs> it's like translucent yellow with like neon pink and blue accents. Ah, oh, so cool. Yeah, it does look <laughs> awesome. I'd, it's, yeah, I'd like to own that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Shane, put it down on your Christmas list, Mm. my friend. Now, uh, moving swiftly on, Forbidden West, uh, the new Horizon sequel, is being delayed, it seems, and I'm all for it. I don't care, you know, delay for a year if you need to, make it a good game, and I won't care. Um, The 5th of February, it seems we're getting that game, which is going to be an interesting time to release it. Like, it's... Like, February is kind of like a no-man's land, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm.
7: Yes. Although
6: other games have gotten success there recently, so maybe... maybe
7: Some games, I I am convinced... Now, maybe I'm convinced because I'm not a huge fan of it, but the first Dying Light game released in January, and I am convinced that Mm. that is what made that game so big because everyone was in that, like, post-Christmas drought of, like, what do I play? You know what I mean? There's nothing new out. Especially for the gamers who keep up with everything a lot. I know there's all the kids that got loads of games at Christmas and are happy, but, like, I'm convinced that's what made that game blow up was the January release window.
6: That's probably Mm -hmm. a fair point. And if you are a game as big as Horizon, you probably don't care when you release. You're going to get those sales, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You would like to get in for Christmas, but if you can't, it doesn't matter. Um... It's interesting you bring up Dying Light because Dying Light 2 got a gameplay trailer. It did. Also, um. this game's coming. It did indeed. And that looked pretty sick. I really, really hope that this is going to be a good game after all of their delays and all of their development mm. troubles and even their studio problems. There's been some, you know, stuff came up about them years ago. And I really hope that they deliver on this because I love Dying Light. Um, we, Me and friend of the show, Amanda, streamed the first game um and that must have been like the third time i played it it's so good it's so good it's mirrors age with zombies come on Neil. yeah
8: yeah i played i played a good lot of it It was one of those few games that i got to play with um a team of mates and it is it's just it's one of the again going back to um shame what you were saying about the january release window um like I, I think you're dead right because it is. It's also the perfect game to play when you have nothing to do because the main mode of like progression or the gameplay loop is just killing more and more zombies. You know, you're like you kill something, mm. you're like oh, but I could get a different weapon and kill more. And it's just it always compounds on itself. It's one of those like perfect games, as you said, when you have nothing else to play and you're like oh, I can just mindlessly soak into my chair post Christmas. You know, New New Year depression kicking in. You're ready to go and you're just one with the chair slashing away at as many zombies <laughs> as you can. It is. It was one of those it's one of it's those great. very um, very very enjoyable multiplayer experiences now I do. I must say. That's
6: that's the thing. I had never played a multiplayer until we streamed it mm. and like when you're playing it by yourself it's like a high 8. You know it's like a, yeah. it's like a, somewhere in the 8 range. It's not perfect by any means. It has its flaws but it does some really interesting things and it's a it's just a fun game like mm. the, the movement is just fun you know yeah but then you bring in another person or two or three it just opens it up like it's it's so seamless as well you know oh, like hundred percent yeah nothing changes it's just the, the world goes on and like the, the difficulty will scale as it needs to and it all just works and it, like that's what's impressive about it you know because i remember playing left for dead with crowds back in the day and, like, the jank was real. Like, you yeah. try to get somebody into that game, it was a nightmare. And then when they're in there, stuff just went wrong all the time. And then you look at a game as impressive in scope as Dying Light. I know there's zombies, but there's a lot going on. Um, and it just works. Like, you know, one person being one end of the map, I'd be on the other. Everything's working fine. Do you know? It's crazy. Um, but yeah that looks cool the gameplay for the second one looks interesting though because we've seen two things that I hadn't seen in the original game although maybe Sean, I'm wrong maybe this was in the original game but one that definitely wasn't was a grappling hook that isn't like you know Almost like a spider web type thing like They had like a kind of a spider man mechanic In the first game But this one is more like a literal grappling hook Where I can like hook it onto a wall And jump down and parasail And burst in through windows And do all these kind of crazy moves
7: Yeah I don't remember I never finished the first game Because I wasn't a huge fan Now I'm going. To, that, that comes with a little like asterisk next to it I'm not a huge fan of the zombie genre in general And it tends yeah, to turn yeah. me off even really good games. I'm like, it's just more zombies. I can't get into this. So, Die and Light could have been a 10 out of 10 game. And because it's zombies, the back of my mind is going, it's just more zombies. This is boring me. You <laughs> know what I mean? I just don't want to play something else. Yeah. So, like, I could go back sure. and play it now and think it's phenomenal. Do you know?
6: Yeah. it's mm. it. The mechanics in it are what makes it sing, you see. So, then when you get like a couple of hours in, and just like all these like grappling mechanics, where you can just, you know, zip up to the top of a building in an instant and you're going to zip from building to building like Spider-Man, it becomes pretty nuts. Um, But yeah, in just to top it off, the thing I was wondering, I wonder did this ever make it into the first game, was when he grapples into a building, he then sees a zombie at a window, and he like rushes at the zombie and grabs him, gives him a bear hug, and essentially like lands on him from the building out the window down onto the ground. That's a cool mechanic. I want to do that all the yeah, time. Yeah, I'll that never is really cool. I'll never I'll never come down off a building normally again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
8: Yeah, <if> that's <laughs> if- if
6: that's the main focus of Dying Light
8: 2 is just smoother, cooler ways of killing zombies. I think that's Traversal all that man. game needs. Yeah, that's all that game really needs. Like if I can suplex a, mm-hmm. a poor unsuspecting zombie in his early 20s, off of the highest Yeah off of the higher Prime of his zombie life He is getting No I'm not gonna say that joke <laughs> uh, <laughs> move, Moving swiftly on <laughs> Yeah um, No but like If I could like Suplex Or like judo flip Some zombie Off of like A 20 story t-
6: 10 out of 10 already Like it's I, you don't <laughs> yeah. Need, yeah it's yeah, just yeah. I think... a, you've got you're a man of simple taste, but this game might be the thing to fill yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it, that's
8: all I feel like they really need to focus on um I mean, in terms of like grappling hook and slide mechanics I mean yeah, they're cool, but just fill that game with as many cool death animations yeah. as possible. That's
6: all the I beautiful wanted. thing about the original was like yes, you do start off slow and you're killing zombies and stuff like that, but then towards the end you're really only killing the ones that are in your way. Mm. You know, like you're, you're, it's traversal. It's all about Mirror's Edge style traversal. And that's, like, I love Mirror's Edge. Shane, I know you do too. And that's where that game really works is that, like, Mirror's Edge, but there's, like, extra obstacles that are in zombie form. You know, like, that. Yeah. that's essentially what it is. But we digress. Shall we move on to Death Stranding? We've seen some director's cut footage of what's going to be coming in that game. It's all just, like, more mad stuff for Norman Reedus to, like, propel his various cargos around the land. Um, I don't know. I've seen that they're going to be doing an upgrade path for $10 or €10. And so I might, just for the hell of it, upgrade my PS4 copy. But I don't know. I I, I didn't see anything in there that was like, oh, this is going to make me want to finish that game now.
7: (laughs) No, I I finished the game and we know from our 52-odd episodes, and I'm a huge fan of Death Stranding. I love how weird it is, love how out mm-hmm. there it is. I'm quite happy... I'm happy we have a Kojima in this world to make out there games. I don't want every game developer to like Kojima because then I'd be driven demented. But it's nice to get... Sure. It's nice to find that weird diamond in the rough every now and then, you know what I mean? Um, For sure. But the stuff I've seen as well didn't make me go, oh yeah, I'm definitely getting back into Death Stranding. Even though I loved it a lot, I'm still like... The only thing that maybe got me was the new missions where you kind of sort of Metal Metal Gear-esque, you know, go through facilities and try, like, stealth some, some dudes.
6: Can we talk about that for a second? Because, like, wow, did he pull the metal gear strings when they showed that like the, the, the music in the background was like you know it was like that tension rising music in metal gear one or whatever you know it's like the you know the the, the, the kind of snares and the fan fats yeah. you know like it was very very metal gear and it actually reminded me of something that i hadn't thought of in years do you remember metal gear one do you remember the vr missions
7: yes actually do
6: you remember like the yeah. whole standalone game vr missions? yeah like That looks like this, but in Death Stranding. And in my mind, all I could think about was, Konami, why don't you just make Metal Gear Solid Five spin off the VR missions and just have it be like endless, like just even randomly generated missions of just crap. Like people would eat, I would eat that alive.
7: Yeah, Mm. yeah. It's such a shame that like Metal Gear is just locked behind Konami now forever. (laughs) yeah exactly uh but it looks like we're going to get some kind of a fix with this a little bit a little bit and we get a new racing mode where there's racetracks to drive motorbikes and new cars and stuff and race against online leaderboards and like now as someone who built a lot of roads in that game (laughs) like a lot Mm -hmm. like i completed the roads um Mm -hmm. this kind of looks a bit fun to me because i always like once I had those roads completed, I was like, I am sailing on through this game. No more tripping over rocks for my Norman Reedus. No, no. Yeah,
6: but like it was the, it was the journey to build those roads that turned me off. Because I wasn't playing online. I, I always play these games that have online functionality on offline because i just don't want to be messed with like you know in dark souls i think that's where the yeah it kind of comes from i'm just like i'm just like i don't want to be invaded i just don't want it all right mm-hmm. and then i just go offline and i did that on death stranding and only after I, I put it down did i realize oh i probably made this game a hell of a lot longer because i was building every goddamn road myself and by myself and it was just like gathering resources putting the resources into the, you know, road building machine. And it's like, ah, you have put in like 2% of what it takes to build this road. I'm like, fuck.
7: Yeah. Yeah. As far (laughs) as I remember with Death Stranding, though, it was all cooperative stuff. No one could mess with you in Death Stranding, I don't think.
6: No, they couldn't. But that's what I'm saying is in other games, generally they can. Or Mm. there's elements that I'm not really there for. However, in Death Stranding, it's beneficial to be online. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. Right. right, Because when I went back to the game for, like, an hour or two and I went on to online, you know, way of playing it, all of a sudden, like, every road was in front of me and, like, it was, there was, like, a million emojis, but, like, everything was done, you know? I was like, oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you <know>? yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, um, we'll jump into that as the time comes. One game we probably won't jump into, maybe Aaron will be the outsider here, or maybe Shane will surprise me, mm-hmm. is... Call of Duty Vanguard, Vanguard got its first trailer, which is essentially going to be World War II once again in Call of Duty. I, for one, am so done <laughs> with World War One and two recreations in the flavor of Battlefield and Call of Duty. Like, I don't care if other games do it. I'm all for it, in fact, when people do it interestingly. But, like, I just can't do another Call of Duty or Battlefield in World War One or World War Two, at this point, I get yeah, that. I get I, that.
8: Yeah, I think the problem is that there's just, there, as you said, like, there is no extra flavor that they're adding to it. It's just, here's like another bombed village, mm-hmm. have another mission in it, kill some 50 enemies. kills,
6: gets you another nuke. You yeah, know? <laughs> I mean, like,
8: if uh, the, the big thing that these are all missing, I know, like, uh, there is a campaign and there is a story, but. I would like to see like an actually decent war story, like a, a, a genuine mm. retelling of like a war story through a video game, and like genuine. Do you know what I mean? Uh, a bit, yeah, yeah. You you do get a bit tired of like this forced narrative of like, oh well, yeah. in war, some people are good and some people are just bad, and we're the good guys. Do you know what I mean? I'd love to see like a fleshed out. Realistic interpretation yeah. of of like any sort of battle, you
7: World War Two. for you. that. World War Two. Mm. I played the campaign in World War Two, and you followed a very specific character as he pushed through France, and mm. the game actually ended when you reached the German border. That was the end of the game. So it was specifically about this character's push through mm. war torn France, trying to drive back yeah. the Nazis. And
6: but was it? Sorry, I didn't. Yeah, off. you're fine. I'm. I was um... finished anyway. But was it like, you know, okay, you get like a three-minute or less well-produced cutscene of his backstory and then it's like him getting out of a lorry with 17 other guys and it's just like, shoot, 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 explosion, you know, cinematic Mm. shoot, 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 and then like another two moments of like backstory and then shoot, 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 is it like, because like that's still to me, no matter where the setting is, is still that same thing. It is, it is. Um, Do you know what I mean? Whereas like for me, like I think, like, games that have done... What's the name of that PC-only World War II game where it's just absolutely nuts and it's just, like, you know, it came out a couple of years back where, like, there's, like, 50 people just up on battlefield doing um all sorts of carry-on. um Games like that are... What I would like to see with World War II, which I think maybe it's a bit hard to do because, like, it's it's a touchy subject. Um, I would like to see, like, an adventure game set in world war Two, that is like you start off as like a young man or woman in this time and you just like live a life do you know like you you, you live a village maybe you're a couple mm-hmm. of hours in before you ever see a gun yeah do you know like i mm-hmm. want to see something ambitious that really goes for like yeah. setting the tone and setting the world and then you know if there has to be combat moments in there somehow maybe yeah grand but like i want to see like A reason for me to care, you know what I mean? Because like just dangling World War Two was terrible. It was, I know, I'm aware. (laughs) In front of me, just isn't enough anymore. Yeah.
7: It's 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 just it's the call of Judaism's. This new one is gonna follow four characters playing like um, and in the like four different fronts. You go to this Pacific campaign, Mm -hmm. the Eastern Front, the Western Front. You know, all this kind of carry on, but. Like you said, it's probably going to be the same old, oh, war is terrible. We're all soldiers of war. Ah, yeah. let me spray down 4,000 dudes in, in one thing exactly. and then go, oh, war is so terrible. Why am I killing these people? <laughs> you know. Like,
6: this is one of the things that I have always said that like the most interesting thing that happened in the 2010s in video games and it only happened for the first like quarter of that game was, do you remember the Tomb Raider reboot? Mm-hmm. The one where she's like, the the new trilogy the first one of those yeah. when when she kills her first you know enemy it's like gut wrenching like she she has a panic attack she she freaks out like she can't and to make it very visceral and then I was thinking oh so this is not going to be your average Tomb Raider game where everything that moves dies no it's it very quickly devolved into that and you know it really took away the pathos that they kind of built with that moment you know but like if we could have a World War Two game. Where, like, I'm sure there is people from World War II that had, like, you know, KDs up into the, like, hundreds, you know? Like, guys on miniguns and stuff. But, like, you have to imagine the average grunt, like, he probably kill no more than 10 men, which is still a hell of a lot to kill, like, you know? Like, that's the story I want to see. Do you know what I mean? Where it's, like, you're almost trying to survive more than you are trying to, like kill an entire squadron by yourself yeah, you know, yeah exactly. in well, every
8: level yeah for <laughs> what you're saying about like however many lads there were on an army squadron that had like kds into the hundreds there was probably 10 men for every one of those who ran away from the trenches you know and like i'd like yeah, yeah, exactly. i kind of like to hear the story about like what did a soldier see in the trenches that made him need yeah. feel the need to run away from war you know and like then what happened on his run away from war and I like there it does it needs a whole I think especially war related games and there there definitely are a few but especially World War 2 and like you've such a wealth of like historic or like his Yeah you got different historical countries events. different localities, Yeah, you can all meld together. Like there's yeah. so many historical influences for stories that you can like draw on and visualize and build it like it's it's already written for you. And Joe <laughs> uh, you know, it, it it is in a way so it does. It needs, especially just that whole genre of like World War Two games needs new, new aims in it. Do you know what I mean? Rather than just going,
7: yeah. yeah sure. just we, need go sab- World we need a new war Sab. We need a new Saboteur, the cult classic Saboteur. Yeah,
6: Saboteur wasn't bad, man. But it, it was one of those bad. things
7: like you're talking about. It's a very. It was. You know, yeah, no, like it's, it's set in the war, but you're a very specific dude who's going around like sneaking around, planting bombs to try mess up the Germans' war efforts and stuff yep. like that. You're not just. Random soldier machine gun Joe spraying down 4,000 yeah. people, you know. So it was interesting, yeah. at least. And it was the kind of thing you were talking about. So bring back Saboteur. Bring
6: back <laughs> Saboteur. They heard her here first, folks. Now, speaking of Saboteur, you got to talk about the Ninja Turtles. That is one hell of a segue. <laughs> um, Ninja Turtles also got a bit of a gameplay showing. I can't wait for that game. We won't spend any more time on this, but I just had to call it out because April O'Neill will be a playable character for the first time in the side-scrolling TMNT game, woohoo mm. Anyway, shall we move swiftly on To this week's
7: question of the week No we Go shan't
6: Oh, oh, no, oh we shan't. Incoming. Incoming.
7: Incoming. incoming It's been one year in And I'm finally not agreeing with you that we're going to the question of the week I <laughs> I have <laughs> He's growing a backbone I'm finally, I'm finally standing up for myself everybody <laughs> um, No, I have one more Little sneaky news story that's not Gamescom related That's going to take like oh, Two minutes and we're gonna make a little game of it just for fun, huh? for shits and gigs. Cool. I love games. So I mentioned this in the Sorry. green room. Green room earlier. There's another announcement of another game to TV adaptation. We know the world is right with them at the moment. Your Last of Us is yes. your Witcher, blah blady blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So there has been a new one. Okay, and it is coming to TV, and I would like mm-hmm. each of you to have two guesses at what game you think might be being adapted to tv
6: so first of all when we talked about this in the green room you didn't tell us what these were and aaron i think you had said that you might have heard what it was so maybe i'll go first just in case you're right well no i I I said i
8: might have heard and completely ignored it (laughs) like i might have just
6: seen it and gone not letting that get into my brain Uh (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like it only got announced today
7: uh, no it got announced Well I'm not sure when it got announced I just came across it like two days ago maybe
6: Okay Um, We haven't talked about it on past nope, cast No, we I have see.
7: not talked about okay. it at all Okay Hmm. And it's a video game It's a video game
6: What is left You know Um. Okay have we talked about it on this show No
7: we haven't at all that's like, I'm like, this is not like a 20 question thing. This is like, go with your, go even. What would you like it to be? You know what I mean? Like just two guesses of either what you think is right for adaptation or what you would love it to be. And I will okay. tell you how right or wrong you are.
6: Okay. Well, we were getting a Pokemon thing. We learned that last week or the week before. Um, I don't know. Like, there's just like, what? Doom? No, we talked about Doom. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not doom.
7: You can just make two guesses, and then I'll tell you the real answer once you've made your two guesses. Okay.
6: Alright, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make two wild guesses. Okay. So, Alright, okay. I'm, right, I'm gonna say Oregon Trail. Okay. And I'm gonna say Streets of Rage.
7: Okie dokie. <laughs> Zelda
8: and Rocket League. All in the one show. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them get it's Zelda. a
7: crossover. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, neither of you were close, <laughs> unfortunately. Oh. So the game that has been adapted to a TV show for NBC's streaming service Peacock. Oh, mm.
8: then you know it's going to be brilliant. Is Frogger?
6: <laughs> oh, this was announced a long time ago. Yes. This is a game show.
7: Yes, yes. this is like this yes. is like it's like um. What's that total wipeout That you see on TV Where the people run across you know, Like the foam stuff And fall into water It's that But With the guise of Frogger Like you have to Dodge the foam traffic <laughs> And jump on the foam lily pad
6: <laughs> It reminds yes. me of Did you see that awful show That's been on Netflix Over the course of I lockdown? know exactly
8: what you're going to say Sexy beasts is Yeah An entire no. Oh right no, The floor no, is no, lava that,
6: That's the furry That's the furry thing yeah, isn't it You're
8: talking that's about, the, I was, you I talking thought, about I the floor that is that lava
6: that, yeah that... the floor is lava is what oh, I was right. going to say well, the furry thing has nothing to do with his what are you talking about no because uh, when
8: we were saying frogger I don't know I'm still thinking animals like, <laughs> you're
6: saying, I've got it on my mind too Phil I can't so, wait to yeah. book at this out sexy beast <laughs>
8: no let's
6: do this <laughs> let's reveal come on put on the head yeah. <laughs> but um, no um, yeah it's very very similar to floor is lava from what I could see yeah. Um I, the only reason I didn't think of that, well, I probably wouldn't have thought of it anyway, but the reason I didn't think of that was we had actually, I'd say halfway through the year, we had reported on that on this very podcast. Really? Uh, it, yeah, it had been picked up and had been picked up as a game show. And that was the news where it's like a game show. And that was all we knew. Right. But now what, what's been shown and what I saw that made me think of Flora's Lava um, is the kind of what came out this week? Yeah, it
7: is just that it's just the floor mm. is lava. It's total wipeout. It's you know it's all those shows combined into one with the guise of Frogger wrapped around it. Yeah.
2: Bizarre, so bizarre. bizarre. But like never in a, never in a million years. Well? Like if
7: someone told you there's a new TV adaptation, you're thinking like what really story driven yeah. games would work well on the TV screen? And then someone's like Frogger. You're like what? What are you talking <laughs> about? Well,
6: it it works well in the guise of a total wipeout clone. You know, True. like it's yeah get get from a to b without getting murdered like yeah okay yeah, okay yeah. I, can, I can see where you're going with it well like it's weird though like did they what how did they begin this do you know did they say i know the guy who know who owns frogger or like is it atari who owns it? i i don't know but like you know how did this begin was it like right we have a wipeout clone we just need a property and then like or was it the other way around they got this property and went we can make a show out of this we can't really do anything story-related because this Frogger. How about we make... Do you know what I mean? Like, what's yeah. what uh, was the ingestion point? I here? mean, on
8: top of that, who was asking for this? <laughs> like, <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> Not a soul. <laughs> who, Not a soul. Who sat at home and was like... Because when you said that to me, though, I don't know about the 2E, but that was the first time I thought about Frogger in nearly about, I'd say, half a decade. Probably since Frogger like, was that's, released. That's the first time i thought about Frogger. <laughs> there are children... Who have been born and have currently completed their first year of primary school in the time that it has taken for me to hear about Frogger consecutively. Like that's how <laughs> far apart. That's how little I've heard anyone ever have a conversation about Frogger. So I don't know. Is that even going to like are people gonna go, Oh, yeah, that's the game show I really I, I desperately want to see? Like is that a is it a marketable brand still? I don't know.
6: I don't know, like, is The Floor is Lava a marketable brand? You know, like, that's just, like, mm. a, a thing kids play as well. It's just, like, I don't know. It probably is enough cachet that, like, a parent will turn it on. And it probably looks ridiculous enough that a kid would watch it. So, I don't know.
7: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. Maybe. I, Maybe. I, Maybe. I, I'm going to watch it.
6: Yeah. I'm going to check it out.
7: Yeah, I give it a look just to see. out sheer morbid curiosity, I have to give it a watch. Yeah. Like, I've often watched yeah, that, I watch sure. Total Wipeout when I'm, like, having a cup of coffee in the morning or something.
6: I like Total Wipeout. To a degree, um, I like Takeshi's Castle and Flora's Lava can suck a D, yeah, definitely. Um,
7: really do not like that show. The newer Total <laughs> Wipeout has been hosted by John Cena now, so it's a little bit better. Wow, yeah,
6: really, yeah. Actually, we never talked about it because it was our 52nd episode, and I think the week before that, the Cast guys were with us. Um, Suicide Squad, watch that, yeah, me too, that week. Um, Just gotta say John Cena Hilarious he, he did a great job Hilarious He did a great job
7: He made me laugh <laughs> out loud Watching that movie Yeah
6: <laughs> So did um Sylvester Stallone Like he really got his Stupid role Down mm-hmm. like, you know? Oh for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, James Gunn You delight Anyway Moving on Shall we get into The question of the week Now that Shane's had His little outburst Let's do it
7: I'm calm now okay. I've got it out of my system
6: you're a diva when
7: you haven't said your news stories
6: (laughs) but play that thing now this week's question of the week I didn't write it down but I have the gist of it comes in from our buddy Jack who was on a previous episode or two and he asks us over at the Facebook community the casual game community where you too can ask questions Do we agree with the current culture where every game should have an easy mode? I think what he's kind of getting at there, and again, I was paraphrasing that question because we lost the doc. Um, (laughs) What he's kind of driving at there is there has been a kind of a resurgence in every game should have an easy mode. And some people want that just for the sake of having it. Some people want that for accessibility terms. And some people want that essentially... I don't think there's any wrong reason that you can, you know, ask for something like that. But it has started a huge debate where especially people in the kind of get good communities are like mortified. Like the big example is, should Dark Souls have an easy mode? Um, And that's where a lot of people seem to lose their mind online. But that doesn't just stop there. It's like every single game, whether it's designed to be hard, whether it's designed to be a story thing, whether it's designed to be an RTS, whatever it is, should everything have a kind of a slider of accessibility in terms of difficulty. Um, Shane, you're the Dark Souls guy, so I'm going to ask you. I am
7: the Dark Souls guy, and, like, I don't buy into the whole get good mentality. I've made the joke here Mm -hmm. and there, but, like, it doesn't affect me if you play a game on easy. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't affect me at all. I think it comes down, part of it comes down to game design as well. So, like the likes of mm-hmm. say we were talking about Call of Duty earlier on. When you increase the difficulty in Call of Duty, it just means that you die in less bullets, and enemies die in less bullets. You know the the general gist of the game doesn't change. It's still point the gun, shoot the gun, throw a grenade or whatever. You just have yeah, yeah you just yeah, yeah. have to be careful to kind of dodge a few more bullets. Whereas yeah. the likes of a Souls game is designed from the ground up with like a difficulty curve in mind. Now I know the difficulty curve starts at hard yeah. and gets harder. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, I'm aware of that. But, like, it's built into the game design and the ethos of the game is to persevere and overcome these extreme challenges. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if, like, if if you, if you I turned on a Dark Souls in the morning and there was, like, a, you know, you went into the menu and you hit new game and it went, play this game the way it was intended or play this game as an easier challenge for people that just want to experience, you know, the world and the lore and stuff. No problem. That's not going to affect me. This if I can still play the game the way it was intended f- that the developer wanted me to play it, exactly like Aaron said with the playing on regular earlier, you know. If I can play it the way the developer intended me to play it, fine. Brilliant. Excellent. And if someone else still gets to enjoy it in the way they want to enjoy it, then it's no skin off my nose. What what harm does it do to me? does absolutely no harm to me whatsoever because I don't have to play it on that yeah. mode at all. Hmm. Yep.
6: Yeah, it's like, you know you kind of touch off a good point there and what i think a lot of the argument that you know a lot of the weight behind the no they should never argument is very much that it's like well you're kind of taking away the you know game developers intent the artistic intent is being robbed here it was designed to only be difficult or only Mm -hmm. you know be able to be gotten through through perseverance or whatever and yes 100 percent that was completely what the game was designed around and i get that and i don't i don't argue that at all um and i know you don't either this is me just talking to the general populace here Mm. but the the thing about that is not everybody was born with the same capabilities do you know and not everybody like the way i always think of it is like if i had a relation or a partner or a friend who was differently abled both maybe either mentally or physically or even doesn't even have to be differently able it could just be somebody who just sucks at video games but Mm -hmm. they desperately want to know why I love this world why I love this game like I don't think it would really take that much away from any artist to be able to say yeah we'll put like a story mode in like games do that all the time where it's like do you want to play the game or are you just here for the story like put that in there and make everything die in a couple of swings like and then that's all you need to do do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. it's it doesn't have to be like you know reworking everything it can just be like well if this ghoul took four swings to die with this weapon now it's one do you know or if mm-hmm. it's like like that kind of a level would go a long way to allowing people to kind of go wow yeah I can see Shane where you're really into this because like that end boss he was cool yeah. as hell like you know like I want to be able to share that with people I don't think there should be like no you should never be able to see this because you can't beat it it's like that's an outdated thing. Mm. That's something that we did in the 80s in video games <laughs> to sell guides. Do you know what I mean? Like that's not needed anymore. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that intent should be there for the kind of like play it as we design this game. You know, no, yeah, just no
7: like you reason. know, like 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 you say when you're scrolling through the menu on a game and it's like easy, hard, medium, and you know next to it, it comes up like for players that are not very experienced in first person shooters or for people who prefer more of a challenge or whatever. Just yes. if one of those options said next to it, this is the way the developer intended it to be played.
6: Yeah, that's fine. It. Brand good. But not, I'll
7: just click on that option and I'm happy, ready to go. Yeah.
6: For sure, for sure. And like the like the the crux of it is as well is that like it's just. I had this argument, I think, with somebody on our Facebook group where it might have even been Jack, where (laughs) we were saying, like, you know, I was going to argue from the point of view of, like, it's for accessibility. Like, you know, if a a game is too hard for you, you won't play through it. Like, and maybe it's you literally cannot get any better at this for any number of reasons. You know, disability, uh, just general ability at games or there could be any other reason in the world where you will never get past this game on normal mode. By just making things a bit easier, you have created an entry level for that, you know, person who needs that extra bit of accessibility, you know? And I think to say that an easy mode wouldn't be a feature towards further accessibility, which is a bigger thing. You know, it's a bigger thing than just difficulty. It's like colour blindness, it's you know, it's sound cues, it's like there's a huge, huge project in any game to make it accessible, where I think like an easy mode is just like the first easy tick that you can put on to say well, at least difficulty isn't going to hold you back, like, you know? Yeah. Um, um, Aaron, what do you think?
8: Yeah, no, I'm I'm in full agreement with the two years. I don't think suffering is a requirement for enjoyment at the end of the day. Um, I mean, just because you want to play a game and just because you want to see the game's characters and the game's world and what it's built and what it's put together, I don't think that that means you have to get angry and want to fire your controller against a wall. Or I think, like you should still be allowed go right i want to do this but i want to just i i I do want to go down the road without smelling the roses maybe or whatever joe it's like yeah i don't want to be too too invested in this game or i just want to zip by and get through it um once it still has the original intent in it then yeah you're not missing out on anything you're just getting something extra and then chances are if there's an easier version Nine times out of ten, there will be a, a more difficult version.
6: So go entertain yourself with that if if you know yeah. if if that's what you're really aiming for. But um, that's the funny thing because I've seen people in the same breath say, "No games shouldn't have an easy mode. Why don't game more games have a hard mode?" It's like yeah, it's it's the same. Magnet. You you literally want to make it harder, but you mm. don't want to make it any easy. It's the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's you know? it's also I, I don't know if it's a direct comparison, but
8: is kind of like saying oh you you want to listen to music well you have to listen to it on like vinyl for now and you're not allowed to stream sure. any more music or joe you know, like the there, nobody's benefiting from that cutting off of accessibility do you know exactly. let more people enjoy it in my eyes um like why not why can't you give dark souls to your grandmother and have her beat it why not yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. exactly just let her let her at it let her let her spit her dentures out against the wall in frustration
7: that's the exact problem with the Gecko community is like like you said the Gecko community is very heavily involved in Souls-like games and if there is an easy mode they will bring up the point of oh well if you're struggling with a boss the way the developer intended you to fight this boss and you just cannot do it you're just going to switch to easy and then you're going against the developer's intentions and stuff but it's like well yeah but I'm never going to finish the game if I don't sometimes go against the developer's intentions because case in point myself I am not finishing returnal anytime soon because that game <laughs> i find really difficult because i'm not very good at twitch shooters and that is very twitchy and you know you have to run here and jump here and dodge this and shoot here and i'm not good at that and i'm really struggling with that game to a point where i have played days gone and started a whole other game since starting returnal
6: yeah which isn't like which is it.
7: not like me at all <laughs>
6: <laughs> um, and yeah do you think you'll drop that down to easy is there an easy mode in Returnal? no
7: Returnal is one of those the only mode you get is the way the developer intended
6: now that game could do it an easy definitely
7: one. it even says it at the start there is yeah. a warning at the start of this game that this is intended to be a really difficult game if you need a break mid run you can put your PS5 at rest mode the game actually tells you this
6: yeah but that's that was a message that was baked in after the yes. fact when people realised that they couldn't just Turn it off and pick up from where they left yeah. off. That like the runs you just either have to finish it or lose it. Yeah, one or the other, you yeah. know. And that rest thing is a balls because like I don't know about you, Shane, but my PS Five just turns off sometimes.
7: My so no, mine never has. I've just, left my in rest mode like overnight, downloading a game and stuff, and it's always been fine.
6: It's like it's like look of the draw. I find that like I come down and I have turned on that PS Five by me, and sometimes Ghost of Tsushima comes up exactly where I was. And then sometimes it's like, you turned off this incorrectly or something. Oh. And my power didn't go off. Hmm. My alarm clock's still fine. You <laughs> know, It's like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm not the only person, apparently. So also, my USBs don't charge my controller. I don't know what that's about. Hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think overall, like, I don't want to see hard games going away. No. Like, I think that that isn't the argument here. And I don't think that ever will be the argument. I just think that, yes, it's nice to have this little accomplishment and to have this little community built around this accomplishment of finishing these hard games. But the difficulty, is that the only good thing about them? Is that the only thing that we need to treasure here? Because like a lot of work and a lot of people put hours and hours into building these worlds, this lore, these characters, this dialogue, the lighting, the music... If people just bounce off the first level because there hasn't been a difficulty that they can actually play, then what was the point in it all? You're only getting it mm. out to like a fraction of the people that could have been enjoying it, and been part of that conversation with you. It's like having your ball and going home, in my mind, you know. Yeah,
7: like as someone who works in games retail, when like when like a teenager or something comes up to me with like you know a copy of Dark Souls Tree or something or Bloodborne, or something like that, i I tell them. I'm like, you know, this is a really difficult game, and there is no option to change the difficulty. Like, I'm just warning you now, you could go home and play this, and after spending your 70 quid, you could be like an hour in and go, I hate this game, that was such a waste of money. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I also yeah, explain yeah. the other side of it as well, that there is a great sense of accomplishment when you can get through the game and beat the bosses and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, I do yeah. warn people, I says, if you're luck if you're not, in the market for a challenge, do not buy this game.
6: Yeah. Mm, yep. And if you had an easy mode in there, exactly, kid might not have brought it back. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, that is that. Uh, will we ever get to the bottom of this? No. But I think that the easiest thing is just to put them in, guys. Come on, let's just get on board. Anyway... That has been episode number 53 of the Casual Gamecast. If you have never been here before, welcome because you did stumble across what is by far the most casual podcast on the interwebs at Casual Gamecast, if you will. And if you have been here before, thanks again for stopping by. Your support means the world to us. You can find all of our socials at Casual Game Co. They'll be in the description below. Our Discord is in the description below. You can check us out on Tuesdays streaming GTA Three at the moment on at Casual Game Co on Twitch or more accurately Twitch.tv forward slash Casual Game Co, and you can see our new and upcoming. Um, actually, it will be released by the time this episode is out. But we have a new podcast, and we're going to have to update all of our socials because of it. It is called Casual Game Crossovers, and it should be in your news feed or your podcast feed or wherever. It is, you get your podcast, you can find it, just Google casual game cast in Spotify or in wherever. It is a podcast where myself and Shane and whomever will join us will be talking about all things tangential to video games, whether that's movies, TV shows, books, you name it. It's going to be fun. So first season we're doing The Witcher on Netflix and boy howdy did I enjoy watching that thing again and I cannot wait to share me and Shane's thoughts about it. Anywho With all that said and done I've been Phil He's been Shane He's been Aaron And Shall we just say goodbye folks Goodbye Goodbye Bye Bye Bye. Take care God bless And For the most of all Stay casual
0: you're sick every minute counts so don't go anywhere go to dispatchhealth.com where high quality medical care comes directly to you no getting out of a sick bed no crazy driving to an emergency room no endless paperwork no hospital waiting rooms visit dispatchhealth.com to learn about our medical professionals then make house calls dispatch health is covered by medicare and most major insurance go to dispatchhealth.com when you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com.